0: You better be listening to Sleezoids or I must break you.
1: Boy and girl are making out, right? When they hear over the radio that this lunatic killer's escape from an insane asylum. That's not the way it goes. The boy goes for help and the girl stays in the car and she hears this, like, scratching sound.
0: No, he's been decapitated. No, he was gutted with a hook. Last week, Discussed folklore. Today we get more specific. This is what we call an urban legend. Contemporary folklore passed on as a true story. Something you might have heard about mixing pop rocks and soda. Supposedly, your stomach yeah. and your intestines first. Voila. Still alive. Mr. Bross, please. He's ah! going to explode! <laughs> Somebody call 911!
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleazoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise, and at the end of each episode along with our honorary sleezoids which you can become by subscribing on Patreon.
0: Next week, you guys have us talking about two absolute legends that we love on this show and so it's going to be another crazy long episode so just join that sleaze let's have some fun yeah,
1: we decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover Patreon s- subscribers also get an on air shout out and two bonus episodes every single month which we are in our fifth or sixth year of at this mm-hmm. point there's like 140 almost 150 plus bonus episodes as well as our bonus transmission series where we talk about new release genre films which there will be some discussions on the way about th- those soon uh, so uh, if you're interested in that again patreon.com slash podcast speaking of which we did have some people make the jump this week. Bring to give them their shout-outs here. Uh, we had Roswell Moon make the upgrade from $5 a month to $10 a month and is going to be joining us for the monthly virtual screenings that we try to do on the last Thursday of, of, of every month. So thanks so much to Roswell. We had Jim Alexander signed up For $5 a month, we had LP Gartner sign up for uh, the $54 for the year. Got an entire year of the show in advance for a little bit of a reduced uh, rate per month, which you can get. Uh, We had Steven Pritchard sign up. We had Tyler sign up at $5. Kaser sign up. Uh, And that is it for this week. So thanks to all of you folks. Hope you guys are enjoying all of those bonus episodes. We appreciate the support.
0: Yeah, thank you. (laughs)
1: The other plug uh, for the week, as always, is Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you are listening on either one of those platforms and I see the stats, I see you right now listening on both those platforms. Give us a good old rating and review over there. Uh, It helps us uh, climb the ranks and find new listeners. We appreciate that support as well. And the very last plug, as always, is merch. If you like the poster art that Basted of Toronto horror artist Trevor Henderson did for our show, you can get that put on basically anything that you can think of a pillow, a blanket, a hoodie, a notebook. You guys have bought in all of these various things. You can, uh, for anyone interested, that link is in the description of this episode, as well as over at sleezoidspodcast.com. But that is it for the intro. Welcome back to another week. As always, I am your host, Josh Lewis, and joining me also, as always, my co-host,
0: Jamie Miller. Welcome back, everybody.
1: Welcome. I think two weeks ago would have been the last time uh, you folks would have heard from us, and we would have had uh, a very special guest, Wyatt Duncan, on for the first time to uh, talk about two very different stylistic approaches to the sad daily realities of ex Um, and the uh, lifetime criminal mindset. We talked Ulu Grosbard's uh, very methodical and depressing Straight Time from 1978, a starring vehicle for Dustin Hoffman, co-written by uh, Ed Bunker, a a real lifetime criminal-turned-crime writer, as well as Michael Mann, who did a little bit of an uncredited rewrite on that film for anyone. So if, if you're a big fan of, like, Thief... Straight yeah. Time is like, you got it. You got to check it out. We had a great time talking about it uh, with Wyatt, who also paired it with on the opposite side of the spectrum, the Cohen brothers, more lighthearted and absurdist, but still, you know, empathetic view of, you know, that kind of milieu. Uh, we talked Raising Arizona from 1987 with Nick Cage and Holly Hunter, which definitely took more of a Looney Tune approach to uh, how those kinds of characters might behave.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Far more cynical than we're or far less cynical rather than what we're used to from from those boys and just amazing lead performances by Hunter and Cage. Just unbelievably hilarious. Yeah. So if you haven't heard that episode, that was two weeks ago
1: over on the main feed with Wyatt. Go back and uh, check it out. Uh, But then last week over on the Patreon exclusively uh, there, you, you might have heard of it. There was a there was a new film on the way. Uh, called Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny, I think. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not actually, not actually paying that much attention to it, but um, it was a great excuse, as always, for us, where the zeitgeist aligns with uh, the kinds of films we like to talk about on this show. And we said, well, what a great excuse to finally go back and talk about some 80s pop blockbuster throwbacks to an earlier era of pulpy, colonialist fantasy action adventure. We talked, obviously, Steven Spielberg's iconic, masterfully constructed take on the Saturday morning adventure serials of his childhood with Raiders of the Lost Ark and instead of being incredibly boring with it and we're like well what if we just do two Indiana Jones movies we were like what if we went to Spielberg's protege Robert <laughs> Zemeckis who around the same time saw his first major success in 1984 prior to Back to the Future with a much sillier zanier adventure a rom-com called Romancing the stone, uh, Mm -hmm. written by Diane Thomas and starring Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner, which was obviously greenlit due to the success of Raiders. Um, but, uh, was actually written prior to it existing and kind of had a little bit of a crazy story and history getting to the screen for anyone interested.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a long story short. It's essentially like uh, Michael Douglas goes in to a, a diner and meets a waitress and she has this kind of story and screenplay prepared and it just kind of, uh, Propelled her into Hollywood for a little while. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great story. The film, you know, isn't quite Raiders of the Lost Ark, but there's still some fun <laughs> to be had. Yeah, no, it was,
1: it was definitely, uh, you know, there, were, there was a lot of fun and it was definitely a monster episode, of course, because we were uh, trying to fit in. We didn't want everyone yelling at us, being like, how did you forget this one production history note about Raiders of the Lost Ark? So, <laughs> yeah. we tried to cover most of our bases last week. So, again, patreon.com slash leasoids podcast if you're interested in that episode. That was over uh, last week. But uh, moving on to this week, uh, we have a very special returning guest joining us. She is a Texas-based novelist, the author of such books uh, as uh, Devil's On to Dust, this uh, Western zombie horror story, and Missing Presumed Dead, which is more of this ghostly neo-noir romance. Uh, we're very excited to have her back. That guest is Emma Berquist. Emma, how are you doing?
2: I'm good. Thanks for having me back.
0: Thanks for no, we No, we...
1: we yeah, thanks. We, we had we had a blast uh, talking with you last time uh, specifically because you brought on a sort of Canadian horror classic one that we somehow despite being a Canadian podcast had not gotten around to we talked Ginger Snaps which was this really oh, well directed teen horror movie with actual ideas about you know how to physically manifest the struggles those girls were going through at school and home and through puberty in this very fleshy um, horror uh, uh, way and uh, I, I, I didn't realize until kind of like after we did that episode that you know you actually do have a little bit of you know a a young adult following no
2: i do yeah i well particularly because i write a lot of horror and uh it works really well (laughs) using teenagers as main characters in horror it's just such a sort of classic way of doing it that it, it lends itself very well to that age range
1: Mm-hmm. I know. Well, and, and, and once I figured that out and once you came with this pairing, it all kind of clicked into my head a little bit. Uh, so so as as it goes on, we have the guests bring the double features with them. So what films did you bring with you this week and why did you pair them together?
2: Uh, well, to let's see. So we have uh, Urban Legend from 1998 and we have I Know What You Did Last Summer from 1997. Um, and I thought they'd be, you know, a good pairing because it's, you know, a, again, Teenagers, uh, well, I think Urban Legend is, is, they're in college, but again, same age range. Um, but they they were basically both made directly after Scream um, and sort of trying to, you know, piggyback off the success of that to varying <laughs> degrees. <laughs> yeah. um, so I thought it'd be fun to sort of look at those. And they also um, both deal with, with the same ur- Urban Legend, but kind of a couple different takes on it.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, both of them have uh, the hook, the uh, the uh, the the the, the classic escaped lunatic Mm -hmm. with a hook for a hand stalking teenagers. But yeah, both of them are also so indebted to the like post scream era of the teen Mm -hmm. horror slasher craze. Both of them are pretty uh, trashy and very of their era. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to talk about how obviously cynically greenlit in the wake of the box office <laughs> hall of scream that they were i yep. mean with, with with i know what you did last summer it literally is written by kevin williamson who wrote yeah. uh scream and was he literally pulled it out of a drawer when they said you got another one like <laughs> yeah. we can't wait for scream 2 Do you, have you written literally anything else and so <laughs> so well, that's and, how we get that
2: yeah it's actually based on a book um I know you did last summer by uh, Lois Duncan, who was, you know, yep. very prolific, uh, young adult writer. Um, and I think it was written like in the 70s. I It was say. written in the 70s. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've actually read it. It's been a while since I've read it. But the, there's like a lot of changes that they made to sort of make it into a slasher. Like it's not a slasher, the book wow, itself. That's, it's that's very more interesting. Of, like a mystery um, mm-hmm. of like, cool. who, and well, we can get into that when we talk about the movie. But um
1: yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm 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 very interested because, yeah, like Williamson kind of held on to that, you know, for a little while and turned it into a slasher. And um, and uh, it basically stars every teen star of the era as, as <laughs> yes. well. Um, yes. They just and, shoved uh, them all in there. <laughs> yep. And and then so and, and so I had seen that one before and it was kind of one that I had gone to because I was, you know, such a huge fan of Scream at the time. And I was like, mm-hmm. I got to see whatever else this guy is doing. And uh, somehow I had never gotten around to urban legend, uh, which is
2: what a a treat for
1: you. I know. (laughs) And I got to say, I kind of had a blast with it. Um, (laughs) So I'm I'm excited to dive into these. So let's let's kick things off here. Let's start off with I know what you did last summer. Summer. All right, we are talking I Know What You Did Last Summer, the 1997 American teen slasher directed by uh, Jim Gillespie, written by Kevin Williamson of Scream fame, as we've already mentioned, and starring a who's who of uh, hot 90s teenage (laughs) stars, including Jennifer Love Hewitt from Heartbreakers and the Tuxedo with Jackie Chan, a classic. (laughs) Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar of Bucky the Vampire Slayer uh, fame, (laughs) duh. Ryan Philippe. Um, Geller's co-star for Cruel Intentions just two years later and obviously the, the, the Scooby-Doo God himself yes. uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Who would uh, you know, actually co-star in that with Geller and uh, later Mary Geller after meeting uh, on this film together which is a little bit of a cute, uh, cute little history there. But my first question right off the bat this is not where we would usually start with an episode but I, I just need to ask I'm assuming both of you probably saw this in your teen years at some point. Yep. Um, which actor was the one that did it? Who was like, okay, I need to watch that. Was was there one? Because for me, it was 100% Geller. <laughs> I, I loved Buffy. She was in Scream 2. So I came to this after it, uh, you know, uh, Scream 2 had come out. And I was like, yeah, I got to see whatever I... this is.
2: I think for me, it was probably her as well, because I was a big Buffy fan. Um, but I also thought Ryan Phillippe was really cute. So that probably was this before. Or That's after how they Cruel get Intentions? you. That's how they
1: get you. That was that was the appeal of these movies in a yeah. way. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> was it, when, when was Cruel Intentions? Was that? Uh,
1: I think that was 98 or 99. Yeah,
2: so yeah, that might have been later. But yeah, I just remember thinking he was very cute. But this might have been the first movie I'd seen him in then. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, no, yeah. this was this was definitely one I don't you know, I didn't see it in the theaters, but it was definitely one we, you know, rented and watched at a sleepover at some point.
1: Yeah, was that the same for you Jamie? Uh
0: for me, I honestly I'm having a hard time remembering cuz we did a brief cover of this on another podcast and I thought that that was the first time that I actually saw it all the way through, but there were definitely as I was watching it, there were moments that I'm like, okay, I've seen this in passing on cable or something <laughs> like that 100%. Yeah. Um, But I got to say, like growing up, I had a massive crush on Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sarah Michelle Gellar. So it was a a very easy watch for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 And, and, And any fans of Johnny Galecki? Um, (laughs) Oh yeah, (laughs) you get a real treat in this one too. I always
2: forget he's in that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Or if you strongly dislike Uh, him, you also get a treat, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's also true. Um, (laughs) But yeah, if if it wasn't already obvious, uh, I know what you did last summer um, was uh, greenlit uh, due to the smash success of Scream. Uh, Columbia Pictures was literally rushing to get a knockoff out, and they were like, "Do you have anything lying around that's sort of similar?" And they got really lucky that at the bottom of kevin williamson's drunk uh, junk drawer somewhere <laughs> <Drunk>. <laughs> he had this script that he had already written um and you know so they they threw him some you know anonymous scottish director and they said we're kind of off to to the races and as emma mentioned he did loosely base it on a book from the 1970s um, about a hit and run you know sort of like teen suspense novel by lois duncan that had the same central concept and inciting incident of teens uh, instead hitting a young boy and kind of being haunted by it a year later. And it become, when it becomes clear that someone knows or someone witnessed them doing it and turning it into like this creepy little, you know, morality tale. But then the studio said, that's not really what we're looking for. Could it be a slasher? Could it be kind of like Scream? Could they hit a guy and now it's Scream? <laughs> um, but uh, but but Emma, maybe talk us about talk to us about the, the the book a little bit and some of the like what like what what actually happens after like because at a certain point they they hit this guy in the middle of the road, they bury the body, and we'll get into the specifics of that sequencing and everything like that. But it turns into a slasher pretty fast after that when the kids start yeah. getting kind of picked off one by one. So if it, if if the book is not a slasher. What is, like, the dramatic, uh, you know, sort of heft of it?
2: I mean, it, it's actually, I think, a little bit more messed up because they do, they kill a child. Like, they, they hit right. a boy riding his bike, and it's a hit-and-run, and they just keep going. Um, so, like, right away, that's far more upsetting than hitting, you know, like, a grown man. It's like, this was a child that they killed. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, uh, it you know, basically kind of destroys their lives. They, they all have to sort of process that um and you know there's so there's like some guilt that's going on um which i they kind of do in the movie where you know She's struggling in college because of the
0: guilt.
1: Yeah. yeah, It's it's not given the exact kind of weight you could imagine someone doing it Mm -hmm. with, you know, like how how much guilt and and how haunted they actually are. Because this movie is probably at its best when it is following through on that concept. And like this killer who is hanging around is just kind of this scary figure, like Mm -hmm. a ghost that is like reminding them of something awful that they've done. And like so like that concept is strong, clearly from from the book and it where it kind of falters is actually sometimes trying to turn that actually into like a slasher set piece or because yeah. um, or and also because you know I'll just say it you know we'll, we'll have to mention this kind of upfront. Jim Gillespie he's not he's not quite Wes Craven you know, right. In terms of the craft, it, it's very, it's not as effective or stylish. The metatextual elements of Williamson satire aren't really there. It's, it's it's uh, in comparison to Scream, it is uh, pretty derivative and um, uh, generic, but uh, there's yeah. still some fun to be had with it.
0: Yeah, Gillespie has, it seems like he wanted to more focus on the, the mystery aspects of it, but he was forced. By the studio to make it more of a slasher because even in these notes that I was looking at on the wiki he seemed to want to make it like not gratuitous at all there's there's not a lot of gore or blood in this um, in comparison to a lot of slashers that you And the few with. there are
1: they had to go back and reshoot like right. all of the stuff with uh, John Galecki I don't think he was even supposed to die in the original version of the movie and he gets like the two most gruesome mov- mo- moments in the movie now just yeah. because they were like well you know we need to go back and reshoot something people aren't feeling it.
2: Yeah, yeah. and, and most of the violence happens like off screen you just see the hook or something.
0: Yeah and the most right. that you get I think with um, with Johnny's death like you do get that one side profile view of the the hook kind of in his uh, like his, his lower jaw a little bit. There's nothing that hits the angle that you would you know actually see it like it's, it's not over the top by any means. Um, and most of it, like if someone is getting dragged by the hook, it's usually like a, a bird's eye view of it so that you can only see the body and maybe a, a trail of blood or something like that. There's also the one, I think this was one of the big reshoots actually, where one of the girls gets uh, her, her throat slit and there's like a blood gag that goes off onto the window. And before they weren't even gonna do the blood gag. Um, so <laughs> it's yeah it, it's it's not as as crazy as you're used to from from most slashers um and yeah. and speaking to like I know like we do this on the show where we kind of just jump ahead and all that but it's related to just how they approach the the main story and how they readapted it um having mm-hmm. it be a child automatically sinks in this kind of like th- this this deep guilt and um it, it's a lot harder to have them have like a, a redemption moment or a mm-hmm, moment yeah. where you, there's clarity and then they realize, oh, they're not actually as, as like they're not, um, it's not their fault as much as you're right. uh, first thinking that it is in the beginning of the film. Whereas if it's a you kid- You can't root
2: for oh. people who killed- a kid like yeah, it, they're not they can't be the heroes of the movie.
0: Yeah, and in this by the by the end like you know spoiler alert or whatever it, it does kind of turn into this thing where they're like okay well he was a bad guy the whole time anyway so yeah. Yeah. don't <laughs> worry it's about totally it you fine. Know? Yeah. yeah 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 so that that gets it, a little it, bit at like, least
1: we don't have to feel as guilty anymore uh, <laughs> <Right. because
0: laughs> exactly we can move on and and just live normal lives now or you know kind yeah. of. It, it, it. You know,
1: yeah, there's there's definitely that that quality to it. And yeah, everything about it being a slasher does feel kind of like a cheap sort of like after effect added onto it. I know that the writer was actually especially uh, pissed about it because they were like, well,
2: because it's a suspense book. You know, it's about like who is messing with these people and leaving them notes and like, Mm -hmm. you you know, it's it, it, it was the idea was that, you know, it was um, like a thriller, not not a... Sl- like, there wasn't a lot of violence. I think one person gets shot, but, like, they live. You know, there, there okay. weren't any... De- it wasn't someone, like, stalking them and killing them. It was, like, trying to force them to deal with their guilt and, like, confess to what they've done.
0: Right so there's yeah, all these yeah, like yeah. red herrings and all that which they mm-hmm. do which I will say with this they they kind of play with and that's I think where the most interesting aspects of the film go where the actors just are now blaming every single other actor and you get all of these really mm-hmm. overly dramatic scenes with that like that's where a lot of the fun oh, is oh, to Yeah the, this.
1: yeah that, that, that stuff is is great because there is like a morality t- like obviously the way that they do incorporate the morality tale and urban legend aspect into this where the par- where the characters are actually getting paranoid and suffering guilt and confusion and their actions are coming back to haunt them stuff they've taken from the book is you know it's 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 done decently um when when they actually focus on it and as Jamie said, you do kind of wish they weren't maybe as pretty cleanly absolved by the final (laughs) twist that we'll get to as, as, as they are. But the basic idea of like grafting teen melodrama onto like, an old school, almost like Giallo-esque like murder mystery plot where it's 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 like mm-hmm. kind of like this who done it and everyone is suspicious of the next person beside them and making choices based on that. Like it's not a terrible idea and, you know, these actors are kind of fun enough and Williamson enough of a, you know, uh writer of uh cruel rich kid dialogue <laughs> <laughs> that you 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 know, there 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 is some fun to be have about, you know, these, you know, these these characters hanging out in these like you know coastal underlit locations freaking out about this horrible thing they're haunted by you know there's some nice anamorphic imagery that's kind of used throughout and and uh, you know Williamson's incorporation of the spooky campfire urban legend like the hook itself is actually you know contributes to you know some of the some of the atmosphere uh, of it which is you know kind of the best thing that it that it has going for it as well mm-hmm. as anyone who's into it like all the 90s fashion, oh, the, uh, yeah. 90s and, fashion. So yeah, the yeah puffy hats and yeah the all all the denim and thumb rings and, you know it's, it's 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 got some of that like the OC Dawson's Creek teen energy of uh, everyone looks like an extra in like a Backstreet Boys video uh, sometimes <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, and you know it's it, 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 it's 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 kind of charming. It's it, it, it's it's kind of like like I I I thought the strongest stuff, weirdly enough, was kind of like the opening set piece, and I guess maybe <laughs> that's because that's where the, the the book's inciting incident is so well yeah. realized. When you have and, and obviously updated for the nineties, where you have mm-hmm. like this fucking uh, the music, you know the f- yeah. you have the rock flying over the coastal waves, and you know yeah. this this ominous vibe of the fisherman looking dude uh, named David Egan, who's you know know. know, drinking and holding a pendant over the edge of of, of a cliff of this, you know, this quaint fishing village or whatever. Um, And uh, we later find out, you know, it's because his his uh, girlfriend or fiance was killed in an accident there and it was maybe his fault and maybe he's suicidal about it or anything. But you have that vibe mixed in with the fireworks going on in the background and michelle geller uh, the croaker queen at the beauty <laughs> pageant named uh uh helen shivers who is uh you know ab- ab- about about to win um and uh using her great line i'm gonna serve my country through art hell yeah which is just yeah. she's
2: gonna be an actress <laughs> right. yes yes
0: they have
1: yeah, the so she's going to be an actress and she's dating Ryan Philippe's football star, uh, bro, oh, Barry. He's
2: so good in this. He's just, you, he's so hateful. He's, so,
1: he's such an <laughs> he's asshole. Yes. Oh, my such oh my God.
2: Such a dick. Yeah.
1: That, that, like that line when he's violent. just like, wow, both of you yeah. should get a mirror. You both look like shit or whatever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so blunt.
2: <Such> a frick.
0: <laughs> oh my God. And he's he is yeah. the, the guy in the in that whole moment where, you know, things start to to hit the fan when they hit the guy and everything. He's he's the guy at the very uh, the beginning of the scene, too, where he's out of the sunroof and just drinking his face off and screaming. Yeah, um, it's funny oh with this God, movie, yeah. especially like I've seen I think it's scary movie one a bunch of times. So I can only ever, like, when I see certain scenes that they replicated, I can, like, almost see those scenes now where the guy's, like, on the sunroof and he's getting hit by certain branches <laughs> and all of that as he's drinking. Like, I just couldn't help <laughs> but see it. But, yeah, R- Ryan Phillip does a, a really great douchebag performance here. <laughs> yeah, all, all yeah. Yeah, Douchbag,
2: yeah. All time.
1: Yeah. 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 And uh Geller and Ryan are both a couple in part of a friend group with Jennifer Love uh, Hewitt who is playing uh, Julie James, uh, who for all intents and purposes in this film is like the uh, Sydney Nev Campbell kind of role <laughs> where she's the more sort of like innocent, vulnerable, final girl type character in comparison to Geller. They dress her in like modest white or like <laughs> giant, <laughs> sick baggy denim overalls that she wears through (laughs) like half the movie um well she's depressed so she
2: has to wear overalls
1: yeah of course and uh and 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 she's dating the one um you know sort of like non-rich kid in the group uh ray played by freddie prince jr um and all of them it's the last night uh of uh of uh You know, summer is getting uh, kicked underway the last summer before they are all headed off to college. It's like beach party vibes. You know, they're all talking about the philosophy classes and careers and houses and children that they're going to have. And I I think at one point they're like, you know, a toast to the the summer of immature (laughs) adolescent decadence uh, (laughs) in that classic Williamson prose. and I like G- Geller's comment too about you know she's dr- she's having the the fantasy dream about her and her and Ryan as a as a couple later in life and she's talking about him becoming a star and going to rehab and how cool that would be and <laughs> <laughs> and and they're and they're all headed to Dawson's Beach, which is one of the most overt fucking hey. references I've ever <laughs> seen <laughs> I was like a oh, great one, Kevin um, and they're going to the beach because they're going to go get drunk and they're going to make out and drive recklessly and tell creepy, you know, campfire ghost stories like all teen kids do. Uh, but specifically, they tell the one about the hook, the, yes, the classic the escaped
2: mental patient, hook for a hand,
1: lover's and lane. All, yeah, they all have
2: a slightly different story that they tell, mm-hmm. which I like because it, 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 you know, ties into the urban legend movie a lot. Um, yeah, like these things are always
0: like, expanding.
2: Yeah. Is it, you know, is it the blood? Is it, do they hear the blood that's dripping on the top of the car? Or do they hear like the scratching of a shoe that's on the top of the car? And it's mm-hmm. like each, each one has a different story.
1: Yeah. They're like, well, no, I actually remember it was the blood dripping from his severed head on the car. They're like, well, no, it was the blood dripping from him being gutted. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me actually, this us kind Get of it right.
0: more of a, a personal story. But when I was a kid, we would uh, go camping all the time with my uncle Kev. And uh, he would always tell the story about the, the girl with the ribbon around her neck. <gasps> yes. And, and the first time he told it, it was like the classic story. And every single time we would go camping, he would tell a different version of it where he would like, <laughs> expand it. And it, it's almost like the sequels. It just got bigger and more grand as the story <laughs> went on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's got that similar vibe.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I'm actually a little disappointed that between these two movies, we didn't get my favorite one, which is uh, the one of the girl who keeps uh, getting up because she hears something, and there might be someone who escaped or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, every time she gets up, she gets she's comforted by the fact that she's uh, has a dog licking her feet from underneath Uh, the bed. uh, That one freaks me out. Yeah. And then they That's find scary. out that there's no fucking dog at the end, yeah. and it was the guy <laughs> the whole. And I was like, I was like, man, that one always freaked me out as a kid when when people would tell that one. So. Me too.
0: That one and the clown statue one, or just I guess the statue. What's the in clown general, statue one? The, it's 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 actually pretty statue. similar to um the one where she's getting her fingers licked. It's basically another babysitter is um is babysitting. She t- puts the kids to bed and she keeps going upstairs and sees this clown statue and she's just like, this is the creepiest thing I've ever seen. So she covers it up and then she calls the parents and then they tell her we don't have a clown statue. And and then she goes up and it's gone. And there's probably an ending of some sort that I can't remember, but that's, it's a, it's a similar idea, but that one, always it's always
1: babysitters. It's always young girls uh, in, Mm -hmm. in some sort of danger. I think Jennifer Love Hewitt has the line where she's like, Oh, this is all bullshit. It's just made up story to teach girls about the dangers of premarital sex or whatever. (laughs) And, you know, Freddie Prince is like more into it. He's just like, well, they all originate from somewhere. You know, (laughs) The, the, there is some sort of there has to be some sort of reality that these uh, come from, which obviously they do find out when they take the party on the road. They're blasting the rock music, hanging out of the sunroof, chugging whiskey, and they hit and kill presumably the fishermen that we saw in the opening blood all over the hood, all over Ryan, you know, and there and immediately it does become a what do we do in this situation because we're all a bunch of young mm. kids this could really mm-hmm. you know hurt our chances at scholarships you know we we can't believe that we've done this is he even dead you know should we go get help should we call it, like what well, you know what what do we do and they all agree that no matter what they do it looks sketchy you know yeah. that you know if they if they, they, get, if they call the cops they're going to get charged with manslaughter they're going to get in a lot of trouble you know
0: some of them are freaking help. out it doesn't help that of, of Ryan's character uh, sp- like literally spills the the whiskey all yeah, over the car. And Freddie Prince <laughs> Jr. Yeah. Like He's it's like, well,
2: but I wasn't drinking. It's like, well, they're not gonna believe you, you smell like a distillery. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's yeah. just a, a pile on of stupid uh, events. It's very funny, honestly. Mm-hmm. I love that she just it-
2: finds the boot. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like you hit someone, it's just an empty boot. <laughs> He's like, oh my god. I don't know why that image just makes me laugh.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and they they end up deciding that they are we we're just gonna dispose of of this body. We're gonna you know, we're gonna dump it in the water, we're gonna pretend that it was never here, and there is this little bit of a tense moment where uh the the very cucked, nerdy uh school guy, Johnny Galecki, playing this dude named Max pulls up and he does try to be like he's trying to like play it cool, he's like, What are you guys doing over there? you know, like Ryan's <laughs> like throw, pretending to throw up on the side of the road because he's so <laughs> drunk, he's like, Oh, daddy's gonna be mad at him, you know. Yeah. This guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the thing usually they make the like the underdog character a little bit more likable but they just really yeah, don't no, with him like it's very strange and then the williamson's they kind of <laughs> incapable of it
1: he likes yeah. to make kids just hateful and yeah, you know just, horrible it's to each
2: other nerd, it's true. just kind of it, he's just weird he's kind of, like he's angry and it's like yeah i get like when he when he gets killed it's like oh okay well Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm okay with that. Like, all of the characters kind of suck. So, I mean, it's helpful in a slasher because you don't really care if they die. Like, the only one we're supposed to really root for, I think, is Julie, and only because she's the one who, you know, has... a little bit of a protest but it's like well I don't know maybe we should call the police maybe
1: yeah we yeah. she's definitely it? the one like suffering yeah. the most guilt over it yeah. as as well she's the one who definitely you know is like well you know maybe when he reaches out to us and he's still alive we don't like kick him <laughs> further into the water <laughs> yeah. and actually murder him yeah. uh, while all the other ones are kind of like, like well, Julie I-
2: you dummy no. <laughs> <laughs> You're
1: so naive yeah, there's actually a sick underwater shot of of him uh when they kick him into the water and the dude like looks like the zombie in like Fulci's Zombie 2 or something like that. And he's like reaching <laughs> yeah. out to them trying to like grab them and they're like no no no. He, he even if he wasn't dead, look, he's dead now. You know, we've <laughs> yeah. definitely murdered him now and we need to make a pact we're all going to take this to our grave and you know, Jennifer Love Hewitt is definitely the one who is like you know she's resisting saying yes like am I can I actually agree to cover this up and it actually takes like Barry having to like fucking practically strangle her before she'll agree to, to do it yeah,
2: it it's it, cool how Freddie Prince is just sort of like hey man don't do that
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, Freddie Prince is like so soft-spoken as this as, as like the guy who you know he, he he's the one like not rich kid so he's yeah. just he's he's just trying to like fit in he's the most like uh, susceptible to peer pressure of the bunch
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and they end up using his kind of like uh, outside of Jennifer love Hewitt who's obviously the you know the more innocent star of the the whole thing they, they use him as kind of the red herring a lot of the time because of how nice he is compared to every other character, so they're like, we couldn't possibly have another calm male character in this, so he's got to be the killer because he's not acting like Ryan <laughs> Phillip. <laughs> you know, it's uh, and I and I honestly got a, a kick out of that. There's some really funny scenes um, in it where they start to distrust each other, like when Ryan just goes up to Freddie Prince Jr. and says something like, "You killed him," and just punches him in the face with like <laughs> no <laughs> warning whatsoever. It's uh, like it, it really does get pretty entertaining in that in that regard. It's also yes. interesting that there's there's kind of this weird imbalance. Like they don't know whether or not they're gonna have the killer be more of like a physical being who is still alive and well, or if it's supernatural. And that is mm-hmm. kind. It's kind of interesting because there's moments like where. You know, they find a, a body with like crabs all over it, and then you know they freak out. And when they go back, it's gone. And you're just like, that would that seems like they would be, take a lot of work to, to clean up. Right. Um, and it, it, there's also something in the finale which I'll save that that is also kind of supernatural. Um, I just found that interesting because the most of the movie doesn't have that vibe, besides maybe the thought of like a ghostly figure following you. Um, mm-hmm. But by the yeah, end, it, it, it's kind of like, oh, this is more of just like a, a real real gra- kind of grounded uh, uh, serial killer story. So it, it's yeah, kind of strange. There's a one. lot of
2: things that like you could do in Scream because you had two killers. So it made sense. It's mm-hmm. like, well, oh, h- how did he do that? It's like, well, because it was a different guy. Yeah. But yeah, here it's like, how did he possibly fill a trunk with a dead body <laughs> and crabs and <laughs> yeah, then get yeah. rid of it all? <laughs> yeah without it's anybody see, like it does yeah it, there's just a lot of sort of you really have to suspend your disbelief in this one
0: yeah it's funny to mm-hmm. uh, think about it too though just like the like the, the the stuff they didn't film like him physically going back to the trunk and like grabbing it all <laughs> and like putting it in a bag and running getting away getting all of the
2: crabs, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, of crabs I remember us thinking it was really
1: funny too in like one of the later Halloween sequels it was maybe like the fourth or fifth one and there was this they actually did show a scene of like Michael Myers like staging <laughs> (laughs) is you know like the thing that the girl would like walk into and freak out at and i just remembered being like that it's so funny to imagine every single one of these movies like what you are missing uh, off screen although although i will say in in this one i did appreciate it on on the one level because it it does just suit the idea of these kids being haunted yes um like this idea of there being like a spectral manifestation of their guilt like like when it when it starts early on it's it's not even a slasher like it is just you know You know, one year later, Julie returns home from college. You know, she's clearly feeling guilty and unable to really enjoy the bubbly college life that she should be. She's her grades are going down. And, you know, this feeling is only sort of exacerbated by these anonymous letters that she's receiving. And the one of them specifically being, I know what you did last summer written on it, you know, and 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 so like From there, the movie becomes more interesting about, like, what do characters in that kind of situation, what decisions do they make? Like, especially that opening bit, like how gross the logic of what they're thinking about doing is. And then versus, you know, how that has since strained their relationships and friendships with one another, how they've drifted apart. No one talks to one another, let alone dating anyone anymore. Mm -hmm. And no one's plans or dreams of stardom ended up really working out like Geller is now. A fragrance counter girl at like a local department store I guess that her you know her 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 family owns because it has her name on it with her also incredibly nasty sister oh, she's uh, so Elsa mean. <laughs> played yeah. by Bridget Wilson from Billy Madison and Mortal Kombat her 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 delivery of that uh is the dried out washed up has been having a moment you know it's uh, so, yeah. like it's just so so, so venomous uh, how she delivers it and everything like that, um, too. But 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 in this early goings, I I do actually appreciate that. Like, you know, could it just be this, you know, they this supernatural thing or are they even imagining it because they mm-hmm. feel like they should be punished for it on on some mm-hmm. capacity? And it's when it starts getting into the more literal ridiculousness of how you know this guy would be doing what he's doing that it kind of starts to, to to strain a little bit for me but when it's just the kids you know mm-hmm. freaking out in their in their mansion and saying ridiculous things to one another <laughs> when yeah. when uh, when uh, Julie goes up to Geller and says look at this note that I've got like someone knows someone is uh, you know messaging us like maybe it was Max who drove by and saw us in the middle of the night and she was just like well who saw us we were so careful and I was <laughs> yeah, like you, you were really? No, how were were they, how careful were they? And and I think at one point, too, Ryan is like, well, you know, how do you even know it's about this? You did a lot of things <laughs> last summer, which is just fucking great, great line.
2: <laughs> I also really love the scenes with Anne Heche because it, it's a very sort of weird, like almost haunted house kind of vibe, like it becomes like Oh yeah, like another... she, she almost
1: lives in like the Texas, like the yeah, it's the... like a Texas
2: Chainsaw Massacre kind of house. yeah, like she's, she's like just the always, North Carolina like version of the Texas an Chainsaw House or something. <laughs> yeah. It's just very weird and like the tone completely shifts. Yep.
1: Yeah, and,
2: and, and, it, and it's like it's a little out of place.
1: <laughs> it, it, it is. It's like you it's even tapped on them... from
2: just from another movie.
1: Yeah, you even get them cribbing the low angle shots of them approaching it that they use in Texas Chainsaw, or the porch dolly shots, and yeah, as you mentioned, like the dead animal shit, like hanging everywhere and stuff like that. So yeah, like that you you can tell that. And and again, you're wondering, she's like, is this just like I'm not, like rich kids being scared that they've gone to the poor side of town, or is this and or or is and is this just their paranoia kind of seeping into it, like with the way that they stylize it and the way that they emphasize uh, all of her line deliveries because she's playing the sister of the the kid that they supposedly killed or the man that they killed mm-hmm. um and uh and yeah like the it, it really is just all like atmosphere and you're not sure whether they're doing it to themselves in their head or you know what it is that is exactly going down
0: yeah i also i love um like you know some of the the direction here can be kind of uh Bland and generic, but there are moments where he really does accent kind of the overly dramatic stuff that's going on, especially the paranoia. Like one of my favorite mm-hmm. moments is when uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt is like getting to the to the brink of just insanity and she's she's losing it. And she starts saying stuff like, uh, she's like, what are you waiting for? Yeah, what huh? are you waiting and for? And then oh. she does it like two or three times. And on the yeah. second or third time, the camera kind of zooms <laughs> out into this huge like. Crane shot, and she spins a whole 360 <laughs> degrees as she delivers it. It's fucking uh, amazing. It's it it, it, it warms shot. me up every single time. I'm just like, it, it's hilarious. It's so like committed the way that she's saying it. Uh, the crane shot just accents the entire the, the entire thing. It's it's hilarious. I love it.
2: And, God, it's so good. And then that uh, the the little fake out ending, which is just such a.
0: <laughs> yeah. sort
2: of like classic bit. And it's like, it doesn't even make any sense because there's a sequel <laughs> and they don't mention it at all, but like...
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and it's again that kind of thing where it's, when we get to it, it's like that imbalance of whether or not this whole thing was supernatural or not. Is this more paranoia? Is this whatever? It's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't have to make sense. They're just... Yeah, we're, don't we're worry about it. it. <laughs> we're in this teen slasher mystery. and uh, Well, yeah, and,
1: and, and like we know that it's obviously not... Just supernatural anymore when, you know, like when that first kill happens uh yeah. because the movie wasn't slashery enough it wasn't physical enough it was just too ambiguous i guess for the executives so they were like well i, I don't know kill kill galecki you know he's we kind of <laughs> set him up as a red herring because he was there that night and they confront him by having ryan just go and like break the shit out of him and just like you know start threatening to kill him with an ice hook next to the blocks <laughs> of ice And yeah. i was like this is normal normal teen shit right here um and uh uh, Which, I think too that's the scene where they also run back into Freddy and one of the, fu- the biggest laughs every single time I watch this is the reveal that like Freddy went back to like his poor lifestyle and he's like a blue collar fisherman <laughs> now but he's just like rocking the tank top and spiked yeah. hair like he's in a 90s music video I was like yeah he looks like a look axe. Like boy a <laughs> yeah. he does not look like he looks like he's hanging out like one of the guys who hangs out with Zoolander yeah. you know he just yeah, like totally. that 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 scene when Ben Stiller goes to like with, uh, uh, yeah. with his father and brother and he goes into the court Mind, but he's, like, dressed like he's in, like, a magazine. That's exactly what Freddie Prince Jr. looks like. And it makes me laugh every time.
0: Oh, yeah, uh, totally. I also, th- I will say that this uh, does have a couple uh, cool set pieces um, that I have a lot of fun with. Like, one with, the first one with uh, Ryan, where uh, he basically just gets, like, ran over by the car and crashed through the big, I don't know if it's, like, a, a, a wooden wall of some kind where it's next to the Fisher. Uh, like the yeah, it's, it's like mm-hmm. the car chase
1: mm-hmm. slash foot chase uh, over like the boardwalk, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. and it's 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 kind of sweet. Like you get this uh, kind of bird's eye view or or upper angle view of of the car crashing Ryan through it and everything and. Um, it, it sets yeah, up. Yeah, that the low whole, angle
1: POV shot of the fisherman like actually pulling his hook like out of his slicker. Yeah. He's looking like like a bloodborne character or something <laughs> and he's like
0: Rrr. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that kind of starts the whole, you know, red herring thing where it's like, Well, Ryan just got attacked, so obviously He's not the killer. That 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 kind of thing. And and you do they do a little bit of a fake out too. Um, it doesn't last very long, but they you think that he might actually be killed, and then like one or two right, scenes he's later, he's in the hospital. In the hospital,
2: yeah. Um,
0: so they you know they they try to do a couple twists here the and there. The secret's to keep you killing us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I love any blatant line like that. That's so fun. Um, and then the other one that I think is much better uh, is the Sarah Michelle Geller one. That one was. Oh yeah, that that oh, is with, the with one that the is tires. the most.
1: Uh, y- yeah, and th- that is the one too that is like the most desperate to recreate like that Wes Craven mm-hmm, like Steady mm-hmm. Cam tracking mm-hmm. shots. You know, like the 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 cutting of it, the little tilt the camera does as she approaches the stairs to catch a glimpse of like the fisherman walking into her bedroom, like those kind of shots as well.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. and it's pretty. That's cool, definitely too. the strongest chase set piece. Yeah. And, and it's, it's very it elaborate. Is, yeah, yeah,
2: and it's very much like Scream in the sense where, uh, like, she can see the parade in front of her, and like if she if she can just get there, and it's it's like the opening Scream scene where it's like her parents are right there, mm-hmm. and yep. she's like trying to reach out for them, but it's like you know it's going to be too late because like the killer's there, and yeah, so it's, it's yeah, still
0: only, and then using it, I mean it's the, effective. Like, yeah, definitely. And using the parade sounds so that she, they mm-hmm. can't hear her screams, that kind of thing. Like, it, it's just, yeah. you know, it's that added creep factor. And I think they have some I was really also good creeped out just that. by the
1: giant fish in the parade. It's just such an <laughs> ominous symbol to unite the, 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 the town around. Because they're like, it's really, it really sucks that the killer wears a, you know, cloaked fisherman's <laughs> outfit. Because just like every middle-aged man in town looks like this today. And you can see <laughs> right. like Geller and, you know, Ryan just like both looking out into the crowd I think at one point Ryan literally just tackles an old man, <laughs> yeah. like an old fisherman.
2: Right. Yeah,
0: he, does. <laughs> <laughs> he is and just like, Oh, group. sorry,
1: dude. He definitely like broke that dude's spine. You know, <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, there's also, uh, a, a moment, uh, where, it, and this is kind of like it, it, like we said, there's not a lot of, of crazy violence or, or visceral moments, but I did kind of like the shot of the, uh, the 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 killer using the hook to drag the sisters body along the mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. store yeah, or whatever one. yeah because um, there's not a lot but that one really pops out just because there isn't much um, and that's all a part of this set piece as well before he starts yeah. to and chase I, Geller again.
2: I really like the bodies on ice because it's such a sort of fun fisherman thing you know it's like Mm -hmm. oh they can keep the fish on ice he's keeping the body like it makes no sense i don't know why he's keeping the bodies on ice but it's (laughs) just it's just cool within that world i guess you know yeah Uh, yeah no
1: like literally they were like we came up with this
2: yeah (laughs) yeah
1: they were like we you know he was apparently uh, from what i understand williamson's dad was a commercial fisherman so you can so so you could just tell that he was like, yeah, I kind of grew up with that environment a little bit. And I thought it would be kind of cool if, you know, a killer was like my dad, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) What are you saying? But But then how, how he expands that he is good at, and, and has been even until recently with that, he just came out with that movie. Um, sick uh directed by by john Mm -hmm. hyams which is his kind of like covid slasher and uh he is very good at coming up with like logic based like geographical Mm -hmm. um you know sort of like chase sequences that just keep Mm -hmm. going on and on and on because like that 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 one that we're talking about starts in the parade where she's actually Mm -hmm. in the parade as like the beauty pad the former beauty pageant you know um winner uh, winner mm-hmm. um, and she starts freaking out because like Barry is being oh. killed in, in the rafters up top being stabbed kind of over and over again and you know we, we see the, the hook in the blood hitting like the wooden posts and everything but everyone goes up there and you know nothing happened and they're just like oh this is like a boy who cried wolf kind of situation the cops don't believe her she's like yeah yeah I've, I've heard this story before <laughs> it wasn't a fisherman though it was an escaped me- mental patient with a hook for a hand right. and then <laughs> G- Geller is like so upset that no one believes her and you know she's locked up in the back of the cop car she's like listen you little shit stick <laughs> may may bury ass reject or <laughs> um <laughs> and it and and from there it just turns into this whole elaborate set piece of she's trapped in the back of the cop car while the patrolman is outside getting gutted by the killer. It's not as good, unfortunately, as Williamson's uh, Scream Two set yeah. piece where they're trapped mm. in the car and Ghostface oh, is literally one. in the driver's seat. They have to squeeze like through the 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 window in order to yeah, get out of him. Great. Like that one all and how long it is and how Craven milks it for tension is just you know it's so unparalleled. It's so how stressful. <laughs> Yeah, he was so skilled at, at that kind of stuff. So it's not as strong as that. But the fact that it goes from her breaking out of the car, you know, being stalked through the department store and including the shots of, you know, what... Jamie was saying of her sister getting sliced and dragged around with the with the hook I also like the part when uh, I, I've just always liked this uh, when they're like which display mannequin is he under the plastic sheet and, just, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and the creepy like ambiance of like the spinning ceiling fans and the music and the lights going out while she's like looking at all of the mannequins before it like jumps down and grabs her that's like straight out of like a giallo or something like that <laughs> yeah um, and then and then it's into the attic and into the alley and mm-hmm. that huge overhead shot where you can actually see like the parade pushing past on the left side of the frame while she's mm-hmm. on the right side just being gutted in a a, a pile of tires. I wasn't yeah. actually sure what the, I, why yeah, those were there. I don't know there. why there's
2: like just I don't know if she's in a tire yard or what. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right and, well, and. And and I will say at at this point, the movie does take off because like things are actually happening. It's the Mm -hmm. earlier set pieces that were a little more annoying to me because they were recreating that, you know, sort of like Craven feel. But they would they just weren't committing to the punchlines of them. Yeah. (laughs) Because like like Ryan ends up in the hospital and the first time it happens to her, she just has like her hair cut next to her Diet Coke. And I was like, oh, Oh boy. <laughs> and you know like like copying the filmmaking of someone who is like way better at doing the tension and danger and then like you know he would climax on like a you know someone running into a blade in the gut or something like that and right. or finding the body of a friend like when they find um uh uh, is, is, it, is it Rose McGowan is the one who gets trapped in or gets killed by the uh, garage door yeah. yes like I yes. always I always think about that moment when Campbell like jumps out of the second floor window having done that whole chase set piece through the house so good mm-hmm. and then she jumps out lands in the driveway and just sees the corpse sitting there like that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things Williamson writes where it's like the bodies stack and he always remembers where they are so when the set yes. piece keeps going and stuff like that and I feel like this just didn't start stacking its bodies at all it the really the one time it gets it is the one that Emma pointed out, which is is a good one when they're in the boat finale and they do actually find the bodies on ice and all her her, you know, all her friends are trapped in the boat. And I was like, that feels like they could have got to some of that stuff a little earlier,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. and it just doesn't make as much sense. Like what like we were saying, it's like, why? why save the bodies? Whereas like with Scream, it's kind of like, you know, they go through that whole thing and it's just different parts of the house party that they're at. So like the garage, the closets, whatever. Um, whereas this one just doesn't quite have that, uh, it, that reason for the, the geography find, I guess, of the body. Um, yeah, it, it's just kind of like, here it is because it's, it's creepy.
2: Yeah. It feels like this is maybe like three drafts away from being like a better movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like they were just rushing to get it out. And it's like there it almost works, but then it just sort of collapses.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's certain things that do that definitely do come up short. My my I guess like I said in the beginning, my main entertainment from this is all the like the the drama the drama that comes from it, how over the top the acting becomes through the the, the, the teenagers. Um, and you know, watching something like that would be Dawson's Creek, but instead they're focusing on a murder is, is, is kind of interesting because they do have that similar, uh, overly dramatic sense to it. And that is mm-hmm. where a lot of the fun comes from.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the way obviously that they talk to each other when they're, they're doing it, like after that sequence, right. when, uh, uh, Ganner and, uh, Geller and, and, and Hewitt visit the, uh, uh, sister um of the of the person that they killed and you know you can see Jennifer Love Hewitt like very seriously delivering a line like you know we we killed a man and we just saw that we've like ruined the lives of everyone around him and people he knew like look at all the damage we've caused to this woman and you know mm-hmm. you know and and the things that they're talking about and just having Sarah Michelle Geller be like well I don't think we're that powerful Julie. You know, you're giving us a little too much credit I think. You know, maybe he wanted to die. He was standing yeah. in the middle of the road. You know, I don't know. Like that that like the the aspect of where they're playfully playing up just like you know how sociopathic the kids mm-hmm. can be at times, while also you know at, taking seriously the uh, the the you know morality uh, uh, drama and haunting um, of of the entire thing. It definitely goes back and forth, and yeah, you know one one could argue that you know maybe they should commit to one or the other, but I don't know. I found that the actors were pretty good at delivering all the venomous dialogue
0: that Kevin Williamson likes to have them say. Uh, yeah. Oh, they say. all
2: they all committed pretty hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone's honestly great in this. The, the lead actors are are, are really selling it.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it. It just isn't the most, like, dense material, you know? It, <laughs> right. it definitely isn't, right. like, you know, Well, and, and, and the, the, it sounds like if they maybe made a truer version of the book, it maybe could have been they mm-hmm. actually focused on the character and they, you know, they actually did write the characters to, you know, have a little bit more weight to this experience that they're going through, which is, you know, which is pretty dark. Yeah. Um, Especially but, if they kept the yeah. child murder. Yes. Yeah. That would have been a lot easier to
0: to go into.
1: Yeah, but no, you can you can definitely tell that they were like, no, we we really want like a like a masked killer. We want the murder mystery. We want to, you know, ultimately we want to get this to be a sort of like physically tangible kind of uh, scary movie, mm-hmm. and you know, kids to be screaming and people to be getting chased. And they do end up coming to the conclusion, or at least Jennifer Love Hewitt's character uh, Julie does, that uh, what they what they didn't uh, hit. They didn't hit the guy that they thought that they hit because they keep because because what happened is they they hit this guy whose girlfriend uh, had had died and that he had maybe been responsible for the accident for and that he had constantly been like on the site of the accident hanging out there. And they just assumed that's who it was because that's whose body they came up in the water. But what it turns out in the big, you know, sort of like climactic twist of the movie is that they actually hit the girlfriend's dad. Um, who was really upset that this guy uh, killed his daughter and he uh, he had actually just finished murdering the dude at the exact same spot, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is such like a, a ridiculous coincidence that is, you know, it's so ridiculous. I actually kind of like it. Yeah, uh, it's great. But, like, And it
2: really lets them all off the hook.
1: Yeah, know, and it does. Morally and like, yeah, they're yeah all no, good no now. pun intended. Yeah, like, hey, yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, no, it's fine that we hit him because he's a murderer. That's
0: right. Yeah, it's such a cop out. Like, it's so like like and no like no the, cops find out or anything like that they even have a moment nope. with like freddie uh, prince jr and jennifer love hewitt just kind of like uh yeah that's that's what happened moving on with our yeah, lives now. Like, why,
2: why did why was this guy trying to kill you and they're like i don't know <laughs>
0: <laughs> good good <to> tell <laughs> you. Uh, peace Yeah,
1: like like it's so funny to spend so much of the movie and for us to be praising the movie for at the very least the few moments where it takes like the morality tale aspect (laughs) seriously to just be like, Oh, actually, there was no reason for any of it. They didn't need to feel guilty the whole time. They literally they had they ran over a murderer who was so much worse than them. Um, And and honestly, they probably should have finished the job Uh, that (laughs) would have prevented all of this. Like that. That's that's the the text of this
0: movie. (laughs) Yes, It's very funny to end on that note after just so much paranoia and mystery and red herrings and all that. It's it does kind of make it more entertaining in a way. It is funny. Well, it, well, cause I will say the actual sequence
1: itself is like not terrible. It's just, mm-hmm. it's so, it's so hilarious how much it undercuts the rest of the movie. But <laughs> like, like, you know, the actual sequence itself of, you know, Hewitt going onto the boat and seeing the newspaper clippings and photographs of her and her friends, like and the hat and yeah, turning it into like this uh, elaborate pirate boat, like deck chase where like Ray is getting like launched off the boat and having to come <laughs> back on and like literally fist fight the fishermen. It's so yeah. ridiculous just describing it. Yeah. <laughs> and
2: oh and he does lose his hand which is just so great.
1: Oh yes, right. yes. Yeah, uh, that that is like the one like you know particularly violent moment um, that it gets after the big sequence where they're you know hiding below deck and going through all the various um, compartments and everything uh, like that and finding her corpseified friends like frozen dolls and in, in 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 the ice and you know him him going Freddy mode the killer going Freddy mode of being like Happy Fourth of July, Julie. <laughs> 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 You know, oh, I know. Yeah. Or what's the other one, too? He's like, let, let me give you some advice. When you leave a man for dead, make sure <laughs> like, that make he's, sure he's really dead. dead.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, followed
1: yeah. by, you know, like Ray hitting him in the head with the crane piece and, you know, his hand being sliced off by all of the, uh, you know, the rope rigging and everything like that in the boat. It is funny that he, he, the rope gets around his hand and he flies up into, like, the mast of the boat, mm-hmm. yeah. which is then where it slices off. So he, he gets to, like... You know, he gets he gets like launched into the air and into the water. And then his his hook, his hand holding the hook gets to like stick around in the netting and everything like that. It is a, you know, a fun little image.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It is really fun that it this this takes more of a it's an action beat almost instead of the like it is. horror confrontation mm-hmm. that we're used to with this kind of thing. Um, no,
1: it, it, it's like the classic moment in the, like the eighties action movie when the hero like pulls out a rocket <laughs> yeah. launcher and blows up the bad guy. But it's, you know, <laughs> it's like the 90s slasher that. version of that. <laughs> Except yeah. this
0: time it'd be like a harpoon or something. Cause they got to keep it fish oriented, <laughs> yeah. you know? Oh man. Yeah.
1: Harpoon. It just reminded me of wild things. Speaking of wild yeah. things,
0: what a great movie. Absolutely. That's, uh, Absolutely.
1: None of these movies, unfortunately live up to, uh, the, the, the great twisty neo-noir nonsense
0: of,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> wild. Thing. And it's oh. also speaking of characters who make just horrendous decisions and are so delightfully terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's honestly something that could have maybe, uh, up to this just a bit more too would just be Make more them worse. twists and like cause like yeah. the thing with wild things and you know they're they're wildly different movies but it's the, the twists in that the ongoing crazy non-stop twists in those is what really sells that movie a lot of the time too uh, you know aside from the performances and all that but um yeah. They, yeah maybe making these a teens more.
1: even a little bit more cutthroat or something like that, if that's what they were going to go for or, you yeah, know,
0: yeah. But yeah. overall, like some, some great, uh, uh, sequences when it comes to like the chase stuff. Um, I do love all the drama and all the paranoia and Jennifer Love Hewitt's, especially her performances when she really starts to amp it up. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So th- there's, there's stuff to like in this for sure.
2: I think, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's fun. It, I mean, it, it, it is a Scream knockoff, but you could pick a worse movie to knock off.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's also true. Definitely. <laughs> and and also there are worse Scream knockoffs. Like there were Absolutely, so many yes. Scream knockoffs. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, if, if we're pivoting towards reductive rating round on uh, this one, this one kind of ends up in like the, the kind of lighter three territory for me where I, I definitely do. See, as Emma was putting it, like so many little things that they could do to just be a slightly better movie, like to take the sort of like the sort of like moral weight at the center of, you know, them making this gross decision and being haunted by it, like either taking that a little bit more seriously instead of, you know, undercutting it by making it a commercial slasher. Or if you're going to go full nonsense, ridiculous commercial slasher where the characters are incredibly nasty, like lean further into that, it feels like it's not quite choosing which one it it uh, wants to do but yeah. the, the the teens the teens are fun the 90s fashion trends are fun the idea of making like a teen tv melodrama like as Jamie was putting it like Dawson's Creek or like OC style characters ending up in like a much darker kind of story mm-hmm. and and arguing with one another and being horrible to one another you know there there is some um some some entertainment out of that and uh you know and as Emma was putting it i think there's worse things for you to try to recreate even if you're not doing it anywhere near as well, then Wes Craven, like Wes Craven did amazing, you know, anamorphic tracking shots, a great little tense, elaborate chase sequences and stuff. And, you know, it's the kind of stuff I do wish kind of hung out in, in horror a little bit more. Cause even these new screen movies that they're doing, um, where they're, you know, that are coming out now, they aren't actually recreating the craft of Craven that much. Right. I'm like, Why yeah. is no one else doing this? Like like you watch the John Hyams, Kevin Williamson slasher sick, like that is way closer to the actual craft of what Craven was doing with his suspense sequences. And which is why if you go back to them, those movies still hold up and are still memorable today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the, the few moments where they're doing that in this, I think they're doing an okay job at it. I do just wish that, You know, uh, the first really good one is they wait for a really long time for it. It's the one with Geller who does like four chases in one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the the one with Ryan... Um is 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 decent, but again yeah. it just a ends up in the hospital. And yeah, the other it, one it, in the house is okay, it, but she just gets her hair chopped off. It's it, it, it does it's a lot of build-up for not a lot.
2: Yeah, it feels like it's always just pulling its punches slightly in this movie. Like it, exactly, yeah. they're never like fully going over the top or like 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 again, like not not really knowing what do we want to be like a full on slasher or do we want to be a mystery? Like they just always are tentative, like there's there's a hesitation there.
1: Yeah, it feels. Yeah, like, and, it, and that does hurt the movie for sure, which yeah. is why it kind of hangs out in the low three for me.
0: Yeah, it feels like Gillespie wanted to focus on a more grounded mystery, and the studio is like, no, we want a slasher, mm-hmm. and they and you can see those things battling each other. Yeah, throughout, you can. Throughout it's throughout fighting. Yeah,
2: for sure.
0: Yeah, but I, I would still give it a, like a, a three. It's um, I have fun with it. I really do like the performances. I think that they're selling all of this really well. Um, Gillespie does get a couple cool directing uh, moments like the the chase sequences, specifically, like you said, Josh, Sarah, Michelle Gellers is awesome. Like the four-in-one mm-hmm. chase sequence is really good, honestly. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I have fun with all the red herrings and, and all that. It's just, it doesn't quite know what it wants to be fully. It's not a very fully realized project, um, but there's still great fun to be had. And I, I do like seeing, um, you know, Freddie Prince Jr. looking like a backstreet boy and still <laughs> trying to play this like kind of emotional, uh, you know, down bad guy. I'm the, so, the blue collar hunk. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's entertaining. And yes, having these like Dawson Creek uh, characters being thrown into a horror movie is, is, is a fun idea. So yeah. it's, it's got and I some I think this moments.
2: movie really is saved by the cast. Like without those mm-hmm. actors in those parts, I don't think this would be anywhere near as watchable. Like they they have so much charisma and they have that sort of like star power of the nineties. And I think that's really the saving grace of the film.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. So yeah, for me, it's a, yeah. Had, yeah for you, Emma.
2: For, oh, for me. Yeah. My, my rating. Yeah. yeah what's your rating? Oh, what's your yeah. Rating? I, yeah. How, how do you I, feel I'd, about it, it? I mean, it's, um, I have a lot of nostalgia for it, which I think is coloring, but yeah, I'd, I'd put it at like a, a maybe a two and a half.
0: Oh, okay. There you go. It doesn't quite get there for you for something.
2: It doesn't quite. It doesn't quite. I just want it to be better than it is, but I do <laughs> yeah, think it's a totally. super. It's a super enjoyable watch. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm I'm basically in the the the, the exact same boat. Like it's just yeah. Uh, but I, I I will say too though the soundtrack includes uh, the Offspring, Our Lady <laughs> Peace, Corn. Yeah. You know. 100. Do do we have to go back? You uh, know? we do. I'm we do. Of, you know I miss I miss when, <laughs> okay, when
0: okay. Uh, the the credits break and it's just this insane new metal or rock <laughs> song. I I miss it. It's such a good vibe.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, like 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 the fact that there is a seventies book about kids being haunted about murdering someone and it's like scored mm. to like corn. It <laughs> <Yeah>. ends
0: with <laughs> Pod <laughs> kind
2: of thing. Yeah,
1: it's, it, 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 it's such a specific thing that that exists that I I definitely and find some uh, I'm charm to it.
2: Lois Duncan, like watching this in the theater and just being like, what the fuck?
1: (laughs) No, she was, she was apparently like horribly offended um, (laughs) that they were just, because it's just so obvious how, like, like, again, we've talked about it, like it's functional, um, and, and I think there's stuff about it that definitely works in the suspense set pieces, but it's so obvious how like this, like, wasn't a slasher and <laughs> yeah, they were right. like, well, now, now we need to meet all of these trends, no matter, even if it like is complete nonsense and it completely undoes the actual guilt that they're feeling. Like, mm-hmm. r- yes, like even the basic idea of we have a story about kids who run, o- who, who, uh, run over a little boy and feel bad about it. What if instead <laughs> it was really interesting? They ran over Ghostface,
0: you know? <laughs> right? So they don't. Have and, to feel and, and, that. and they were
1: like, "That's the same story." When you think about it, and dramatically, I, I'm looking at them. I'm like, oh, I, "Well, uh, all right. I don't know." Yeah. But I uh, think the inescapable but, but, guilt But despite of, that insane flaw at the center of it, this is still pretty fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do yeah. think it had the more inescapable guilt of killing a child. I think that would have really propelled it into the especially when it comes to the dramatics. It, you, they'd have to go even more over the top, but it is what it is, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, it's just yeah. a
2: completely different movie. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Probably exactly.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah I think that's going to wrap it up for I Know What You Did Last Summer we're going to be right back and we're going to be talking about one that honestly I think got even a little crazier uh, <laughs> yeah. with, uh, with, with, with some of the twists and murders we're going to be talking about urban legend stick around I want to know
2: what's going on here There is taking all these urban legends and making them reality.
1: Urban Legend. Have you heard the one about the microwave? All right, we are back and we are talking Urban Legend, the 1998 American teen slasher film directed by Jamie Blanks, written by Silvio Horta, and starring Jared Leto, Alicia Witt, uh, Joshua jackson rebecca gayhart uh and a bunch of others that we'll get into this cast is actually kind of in, insane yeah it's yeah, it's a pretty stacked <laughs> cast yeah um, now now i i have to ask both of you are either of you familiar with jamie blanks or silvio horta at
0: all before going into this um, Nope. i don't think i know. there was valentine for some reason has always been on my list because it was one of those uh Going into the video movie shop, I would see the poster, and I knew it was a horror movie, and I was always intrigued by that. But I never got around to watching it. And as for the writer, let me just take a... Oh, I guess... Did she only do Urban Legend? Uh, From Letterboxd, that's all that's popping up. I'm curious, what else? Uh,
1: Well, that's what I was going to get into, because this movie has a bit of a wild path uh, towards existing. And Horta, specifically, uh, is a uh, a queer Cuban-American... Um, who actually tragically committed suicide just a couple years back uh, and and is actually most well-known for adapting a very popular Colombian uh, telenovela series uh, that would become Ugly Betty for ABC. So it's actually TV is where most of their writing Uh, is, um, and anyway, uh, apparently he went, uh, uh, while at NYU, developed this um, sort of parody slasher script that became this about a serial killer who, you know, plans elaborately staged deaths based on uh, various urban legends, which got picked up, obviously, in the wake of Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer by the actual producer of I Know What You Did Last Summer, (laughs) which they then put into the hands of this Australian director, Jamie Blank, who had actually auditioned to direct both films, uh, Scream, and I know what you did last summer, because he had done this uh, thesis short film called Silent Number, which I actually did find on YouTube. It's out there if you look it up. Ooh, which is uh, about a babysitter who keeps getting phone calls during a stormy a stormy night from a, from a little boy who is like saying that his like abusive father has like locked him up and he can't get out, and she doesn't know where the call is coming from. She's trying to let the cops know that she's being called, and the big twist is that the cops eventually call her back and say. The power line, uh, the phone lines were actually, like, taken down. That creepy guy who came up to your door and, you know, started talking to you and you thought he was, like, an escaped mental patient, he was actually a guy who crashed his car into the phone lines right out front of your house and you've been talking to nobody and the, the final <laughs> shot is like the power line uh following the broken um phone line all the way to the cemetery where she's either been talking to a dead ghost boy tomb or like a kid who's been buried alive and you're not sure which
0: <laughs> oh shit that's got
2: that's pretty cool
1: yeah, yeah awesome. it's actually a pretty good and like well-directed little suspense short film. And with that and also I think he took a scene or he he did a fake trailer for I Know What You Did Last Summer and uh, used his own money, got his own friends to shoot it. And he sent it to the producer with the short film and was like, for the love of God, like, I <laughs> am dying to make a movie like this. I love this shit. And. He didn't get, I know what you did last summer, obviously, as we just talked about, um, but the producer did note him and go, wow, this guy is really cool and really into this kind of thing, so we should keep him on, we should keep his his, uh, his phone on file, and then that was it. This this script came to him, and he was like, this is the guy who's going to do it. And he's basically spent his entire career doing variations on it, like Jamie mentioned Valentine. Mm-hmm. There's another uh, thriller called Storm Warning um, that he did about a couple that gets trapped, and there's like a killer outside. And mm-hmm. then uh, he also did the re- remake of the Australian eco-horror classic uh, Long Weekend, which yeah. we actually talked about very early mm-hmm. on on the show as well. Um, and, and I don't know about either of you, but I actually went into this being like, i I expected this to be worse for some reason, and I know I don't really know why I had that attitude about it. I just it looked me. more low rent to me. <laughs> yeah something about that. I mean, uh, Jamie certainly... also previously watched it, didn't like it, but I actually thought the direction in this was really like a lot stronger and more stylish yeah. and animated and 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 wild.
0: yeah, that's the and thing I feel like I, it was probably um, lower budget, right? I mean, probably let me let's do a double check here. Is this fourteen million dollars for this one? was the budget I think mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what the I yeah. know what you did last summer was but yeah the, this is my second time watching it and for some reason
2: I yeah guess- only
1: slightly I know mm. what you did last summer was 17 million oh. so uh, 17 okay. million versus 14 million but uh, a lot of that 17 million I think you can tell went to the actors on that one
2: uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably, this one yeah. I think that they were using actors they maybe didn't quite have to pay as much they also shot yeah. it in Toronto At the time, yeah. uh, <laughs> So they, they probably saved some money there as
0: well. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, the first time I, I watched this, this is now my second time, and I, I took to it much better this time. Um, the first time, there was something in my brain, I guess I just wasn't reading it correctly, and I thought it wasn't as... I remember it not being as tongue-in-cheek as it actually is. And um, there, there's, there's a lot of uh, moments in here I think I just misread. And this time around, I, I ended up liking it. So I'm, I'm glad to say that I went from... Strongly disliking it to liking it, which is <laughs> great. So I'm glad you brought it back on the show, and I had a chance to uh, to rewatch. Yeah, yeah it, wow.
2: it's very. It's. It, I think the way that this one kind of copy scream is that it's very meta. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can tell even the way very... that
0: like Jamie Blanks um, does like pop up scares and stuff like that. There's almost mm-hmm. so many of them in and the, There's so many fake outs that at a certain point, like I got. Kind of a, a kick out of that. Like, they, they didn't work on the level of, you know, scaring me, giving me that jolt a lot of the time. But it, it's, there's so many. Like, we're talking almost every scene that someone's investigating and there's some type of suspense going on. Someone pops up and there's the big, you know, high string tension and, and all of that. And it becomes just more and more, in, in my opinion anyway, uh, like funny and kind of ironic yeah. in a way. So.
1: Yeah, but, and, and it's a good mix because, like, clearly it is written with a little bit of a winking, sort of, like, clever attitude to it, which is, like, definitely more of a pulling from Scream than even I Know What You Did. Like, I Know What You Did mm-hmm. last summer, be- I guess maybe because of the material that was being adapted, it was a quite a, it was pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah. it was, you know, and, like, some of the ways that the kids talked to each other was very Williamson, but, like, there, wa- there weren't, like, as many flat-out, like, gags or jokes or, like, we kind of know our genre history. And here, our characters are finding themselves themselves inside of it. And Mm -hmm. how do we twist it a little bit? And you know you can just tell how excited this like young director was to get a, a chance to make scenes like this, like the 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 use of color and shadows, the use of geography. There's so many hilarious like <laughs> setup and payoff <laughs> moments that that take place in this, and and really nasty ones too, mm-hmm. in like a in in like a you know a ridiculous and comedic way, but in a way that still really like 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 hit you. I could tell right off the bat what I was in for because the opening sequence sort of like his short film is like just like a you know you could completely disconnect it from the rest of the movie it kind of exists as its own little set piece and it, it really sets the tone of like you know, what you can expect from this, where you have a university uh, student named Michelle driving on, you know, like the stormy Toronto, uh, you know, sort of North Toronto, like back roads a little bit. And she's blasting her cassette of totally clips of the heart (laughs) so that you get these sounds of turn around, you know? (laughs) And I I was sitting there going, oh my God, there's a guy in the back of her car. And I spent the whole scene, you know, as she's getting into near crash scares or as she's running out of gas and having to go visit a late night Stuttering gas station attendant played by Brad Brad Dourif. Yeah, that's (laughs) the god. I
0: always forget that he's in the intro of this movie. I'm like, holy shit! So great.
1: And there, and there's such good, like tense cutting in this moment where she's like freaked out because this guy just looks creepy to her because it's Brad Dourif She's just like, right. you know, he kind of he doesn't he doesn't look right. He looks like he'd attack me. I want to lock myself in the car. That needs to and he's doing like a weird
2: and, stutter thing and he can't get the words out. It's just everything about it is so great. It's of course
0: storming. It's just pouring rain, you know. Yeah,
1: it, and and it, and it's, it's one of those like huge like movie artificial storms that's like so ridiculous <laughs> right. like it couldn't be real and the overhead like Dutch angle of the car while we can see him like filling up the gas and cutting to the gas dials while it's going through and just how well – timed stuff like like the elements of this are and how cleverly constructed they are and like kind of almost like a Rube Goldberg sense where it is like you know Brad Dourif they include that detail of him kind of looking into the backseat of her car and Mm -hmm. you know you're not sure what exactly he sees but he immediately goes over and pulls her aside he's like you got to come inside I'm on the phone with the credit card company and they're not taking your card you need to talk you need to come talk to me and he's obviously he's having a hard time uh, getting it out because he's he he's stuttering which leads to the amazing moment mm-hmm. when she goes in there and sees that he's lying and he's lying to protect her because mm-hmm. he saw that someone was yeah. in the backseat of her car and is like I'm trying to save you but it's done in this very scream-esque fashion <laughs> where it's just like he can't get the words out and she finds out that he lied and she's already creeped out and paranoid because of the setting of just the situation itself that she's like running away from him like he is like you know the, the person who's gonna murder her and that giant like peel out that she does followed by Durif's like there's someone <laughs> in the backseat oh, yeah. and the, so the lightning good. striking in the background, like just the
0: mood of oh, it. Like it's, so it's great. hilarious, but I, like really well directed and dynamic. Yeah. One of my favorite parts about the direction in this is when they get into the actual garage and she notices like that no one's on the phone. And so she assumes the worst and all of that. The way that he choreographs the fight too is like Brad especially once you get the, the, the context of everything, you can tell that like Brad is just trying to to calm her down, but because she's pushing back, it looks like more of a fight. And as an audience member, at least the first time you watch it, you he tries to keep that mystery there, like whether or not this guy is uh, an awful person and trying to kill her. Um, and it is honestly, it's it's pretty well directed in that sense where it keeps that mystery alive before he finally gets that awesome line that you just said, which Duriff just sells... So well, I love when he screams that line, and then you know we get it. into the the serial killer scene
1: and the huge like push in on his face yeah. too. Like it's in the rain.
0: I mean, all, it's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Like like, like it's opening. it's very silly, but it's yes. yeah it's 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 really well. Directed. And I was, ju- I was, that was just what surprised me going into this as I went into it being like, I've never heard of this guy. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's somehow it's even a knockoff after I know what you did last summer. <laughs> and I was just, I, I didn't go into this thinking that the directing was actually going to be the thing that kind of stood out to me about. This movie, and some of the visual choices that they make, even something as simple that's very tongue- in cheek, like doing the Pendleton University sign when they actually pull up to the school. and it literally is designed to look like a giant tombstone, yeah. And I was like, that's just a good joke.
0: <laughs> yeah, even the like the mood setting of it all um is almost it's it's pure horror, which is interesting. Like at the very beginning, they have these like female choirs. And um, it's mm-hmm. genuinely doing like a horror score, even though this does end up being a little bit more meta and, and all of that. But I think it's kind of, I mean, it, it, it does dive into horror elements a lot of the time. It's not like this thing is completely like a spoof or something like that. Um, yeah. But I do like that it they made by someone
2: who loves horror and has immersed himself in horror.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yes. So I like that he still keeps that setting alive and then just starts to kind of playfully, you know, use those tools so that he can mess with the audience a little bit.
1: Yeah, de- definitely. And and I think, I think he does get some help from the cast here, which is like a mm-hmm. bizarre, one of the most bizarre <laughs> casts I've ever seen in a movie <laughs> For real. because it is like, like half of it, is you know like some variation of like a fresh baby-faced like network TV actor of some kind. You have a very yeah. early, my so-called life era Jared Leto uh, performance as the student journalist who is investigating the murders. Obviously, a massively egotistical uh, kind of asshole of, 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 <laughs> of, of, of an well. actor. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's got all kinds of. Uh, did you guys see that thing about him like climbing a building recently? I didn't investigate I, that, but that he, th- yeah, that, that was going around on Twitter. He, he was seems
2: just like such an exhausting Ugh. person. Yeah,
1: he's yeah. He's going I, hard I, on I the did like all the jokes of shit. people being like, "There's a." He was trying to get into the underage girl room <laughs> or whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember. I this. I mean, I guess it's not in like a total sidetrack but like did you guys see his uh whole island thing that he was doing oh, like yeah, a few years ago
2: cults yeah yeah
0: just just yeah. he's a weird he, guy he didn't know covid was happening because oh, he was right. living yeah, yes. midsummer <laughs>
2: <laughs> like oh just got internet what is happening in those
0: ages that is <laughs> some psychopathic pretty boy rich shit i don't even know what the hell is going on with him but yeah, yeah
1: yeah but he uh, obviously he's been used well in in, in movies oh, things yeah. like American Psycho used him mm-hmm. well anything Fincher like Fight Club and Panic Room yeah. I, I love his crazy ass white boy cornrows in oh, and Panic yeah. Room and that, so that part when his uh, home invasion robbery plan starts going to shit and he just immediately whips out a crack pipe uh, th- that just, <laughs> yeah. it's one of those gestures I'll just and the way that he physically performs it's just one of those things I'll never forget um, Totally. Although, although by the way uh, apparently Jared Leto either as a bit just pretends he doesn't remember making this movie or like maybe he had some sort of brain damage I'm not I, <laughs> someone in our discord linked me to an IGN interview article that he did in like 2003 or 2004 um, where he claims to have literally not heard of this movie
0: <laughs> um,
1: and they were like he's like second were like, bill they, he's like the second yeah, they were star like, of this <laughs> Yeah, no, I'll I'll maybe link it in the description so people can it needs to be read to be believed. Like he's just straight up like, I've never heard of this movie. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, Are you pulling my leg like you were in nineteen ninety-eight, like your second build? Like what? Like it's a (laughs) horror film. film. And he's just like he's like, I've literally never heard of this movie and like I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think (laughs) he's just being Mr. Eccentric (laughs) artist. Yeah. I mean he's
2: just just being obnoxious. He remembers
1: he loves he he loves uh doing that and it you know the the uh the, <laughs> the, the, so the character kind of kind of works for it as the uh you know the the guy who is you know gleefully reporting on mm-hmm. this uh decapitated student from the opening sequence because i guess maybe we didn't mention that but that sequence climaxes on her not turning around and a dude in a parka with an axe who is revealed in these awesome lightning strike shots where mm-hmm. you can just see his just make out his figure in the back uh of of the car which is very craven-esque and uh he just like swings the axe and goes slow motion through the through the window and the blood pours out. And he's uh, Paul, uh, who uh, Jared Leto was playing, is reporting um, on this story and I like that gag where he asks uh, Brenda uh, played by Rebecca Gerhardt for a quote and she jumps into like excited like politician mode she's like <laughs> well I am incredibly um, d- disturbed but also moved uh, by the and and you know uh, Natalie um, who is the uh, lead character here played by Alicia Witt who's actually most known I think for being uh, in David Lynch stuff despite the fact that she's not like necessarily the biggest character but right. she played Aaliyah in his, um, his version of dune mm-hmm. mm. yep. and uh, is also the piano playing little girl in the uh, fairy princess outfit in uh twin peaks in i think she's only in like one or two episodes but it's a very memorable scene it's the one where um uh Laura palmer has to go over to like the family friend's house and like leland palmer is doing like a whole song and dance routine for like five minutes and she's mm-hmm. the little girl playing the piano and i just
0: i was like oh damn there you go oh that's awesome <laughs> yeah and she's basically the jennifer love hewitt of the of this film yes
1: Yes, she is the actual like, you know, tortured young girl who's taking this seriously faster than anybody else. And, you know, not cracking jokes like Joshua Jackson from Dawson's <laughs> Creek uh, uh, is in the film with his bleach blonde hair, uh, like cracking jokes about, oh, I'm, it's so sad she died. She gave great head, <laughs>
0: you know, and Get he's it? like
1: he's like nudging them. He's like, yeah, you know, you know, you, know, you say what I'm saying there? Her head, her head came off.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So right away you have the establishment of like this group of friends that, you know, doesn't really care about the murders, but um, there's there's the one that does, you know. She's concerned because yeah, could th- come to they'll them.
1: have that disaffected attitude that they have in Scream when they're yeah. all discussing like Drew Barrymore's death and they're all yep. just like, you know, who
0: cares about her, whatever. Yeah, you know, let's go back to, to having the Lillard character Lillard, that's just making yeah. all the jokes about it. Except without the alone. Like, incredible performance. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely.
1: Yeah. And, and, and you also have um, Michael Rosenbaum. Uh, any any fans of Smallville? This is the episode where I embarrassingly um,
0: reveal how much TV I watched as a child. <laughs> I've always liked uh, Rosenbaum. He's been movie wise. He's been in a lot of stuff that I haven't really taken to. But I've I've always thought he was kind of funny. And he he honestly he plays the uh, I've seen him in interviews and he seems like a very, you know, fun loving guy, honestly. But every time I see him in a film, he's playing like just a huge asshole. Uh, and he's very yeah. good yeah he, he,
1: here he's like the frat party bro who's yeah. explaining why they have he he's he specifically holds a frat party to commemorate the Stanley Hall massacre, massacre. at the school <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: Which, I guess Which is, is another
1: thing that they would do in Scream, too. You feel like yes. it's like when all the kids are like wearing the costume around school and shit like that.
0: Yeah. And I guess kind of the, the initial mystery of that urban legend is whether or not it happened and if it is real. And, and then it kind of ties in later on into the main plot of it all. Um, so. yeah
1: because Paul because I think it's the, the the first scene where we meet them all it's like that campus coffee shop sequence yeah. and Michael Rosenbaum playing Parker the frat bro is telling the story to to the girls Brenda played by Rebecca Gayhart from Jawbreaker who has a lot of like mad like energy or at least look in this film you could almost feel I felt like they were modeling after her in Twin Peaks a little bit um, and Paul Jared Leto um, shows up and he overhears and he's like no nah, that's just fake that's made up that's an urban legend it's like Bloody Mary you know all that shit like you guys are just you know whatever no one no one believes uh that shit and uh rosenbaum does hit him back with the uh he just can't stand any story that doesn't have his byline on it
2: yeah (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) which Which is is probably journalist burn (laughs) Yeah. yeah which is uh there is some truth to that i i i i think and um but, uh, yeah, as we mentioned, Natalie, played by Alicia Witt, is, like, the only person who's, like, kind of taking this seriously. Like, she's actually traumatized because she uh, and Michelle were high school friends, the girl who died in the opening scene, and they were... Uh, Connected by this uh, this accident, where they were playing that like high beam highway Mm -hmm. game, where you flash your high beams and you get into kind of like a bit of like a like a chase with someone. Uh, A a thing that only makes me think of death proof. That's the only thing I think of every time someone brings up that story now, because that's exactly what Kurt Russell does. He flips (laughs) the high beams on, crashes into their car, and kills them all. Did you guys ever Um, have like
0: when you were kids uh, an urban legend or two that was something that? people believed around the town. Cause the headlight one when I was young was actually something that people said that was, that was real. Oh really? Whatever. Yeah. I can't
1: remember actually. Yeah. It's, for, it's, a, it's a kind uh, of a UMA?
0: specific question, but
2: yeah, we had a couple, there was, um, I, there was this one in San Antonio where there are these train tracks where supposedly if you go and you park your car on the train tracks and you're supposed to cover the back of your car with baby powder. Um, and Something will push your car off the tracks, and then when you go to look, you're supposed to see, like, children's handprints
0: oh, in wow. the baby powder. Mm-hmm. Because the story is one.
2: that a, well, the story is that, like, a, a bus full of school children died on the train tracks. I don't think this really happened, but everyone believed it and, like, talked mm-hmm. about it like it was true, and we did it in college.
0: <laughs> oh, wow, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, I-
1: well, I mean, I think the movie was kind of smart to, like, take that into account mm-hmm. to its storytelling. Where, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's, it's called Urban Legend. It's based on this serial killer who's killing people and recreating and staging these various urban legends and, you know, bringing them into the real world and, in in a way. But th- the levels of, like, disagreements that people have about them and, you know, like, the, the way that they're um, – Spread actually does become a little bit of, of a subject of the film, especially when we're introduced yeah. to Robert Englund um, mm-hmm. from uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, who's playing the Professor Wexler, who is teaching the most like
0: basic bitch college course <laughs> I've ever like, seen. I would have loved this <laughs> but course. He's doing it with such like bravado, like he's like an absolute mastermind. It, I, I think that that is great. The way he's selling it, it,
1: it's wonderful, dude. He's hamming it up so much as the contemporary folklore professor <laughs> who's just like you know teaching them about the. Cost is coming from inside the house or, you know, mm-hmm. teaching them about Little Mikey, the, uh, the, uh, what, what's the, what, what company was that for? Was I it can't like remember. Cereal?
2: Was it Was a cereal? Thing? Yeah, it was,
1: it was one of the, one of the big cereal companies. They had Little Mikey, um, and, and and that is a funny scene where they, you know, in, in order to, you know, display all of uh, our collective cultural fears over these things that we don't necessarily believe are real. He, you know, he gives Brenda Pop Rocks and then hands her a can of Pepsi and is like, you know, drink it, drink this. And she's just like, well, no, I can't. Like, I, you know, little Mikey exploded, you know, like that. <laughs> I like to that. And she's they... like, well, if you if you think this is all stupid, then why won't you just drink it then? You know?
0: Yeah. And I like to that, like, you know, given the context of where this movie Eventually ends in the finale that they have, uh, Brenda be the one that's kind of playing stupid and being like, "Oh yeah, that urban legend happened in my hometown," and no, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. drink the Pepsi and and all and all of that. Uh, I, I do I do like that, and I also like that how focused it is on the just the entire idea of urban legends, especially in the. in in this intro where it's like three scenes in a row where that's all they're talking about. Like we have the one in the cafe and then the the moment after that, they're talking about the bloody Mary ritual. And then they try to do that and then it leads to a pop-up and then the, uh, Right after that, they're at the Urban Legend class that Robert Englund is teaching. So it's just, like, nonstop with with, with the... Yeah,
1: well, and, and obviously the opening one is the classic, like, uh, check your back seat. Come mm-hmm. on, everyone knows that one. Yeah. Check your fucking back seat. So, yeah, this thing, like, really moves through its premise and really is actually, like... This is one of those, we were talking about Romancing the Stone last week, and I was kind of going, it's a really good premise that the movie just doesn't, like, kind of half-bakes it a little bit. It doesn't totally commit to it. This is one of those examples of, it's like, it's an incredibly silly premise that I don't know how good it is, but the movie commits to it so much that it actually kind of turns it into something that, that really does... Um, work for me because all of the kids are talking about it or cracking jokes about it like when Joshua Jackson comes up and you know he's the frat prankster so he goes up and does the Pop Rocks and Pepsi drink and then he like pretends to Mm. literally like like he's about to explode and it creates this whole like tense moment where everyone's going oh my god it actually came true and you know all all this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and uh Yeah. And and it it does actually bake into why the students and why the people would be a little bit more in denial about Mm -hmm. all of this stuff. Like more like than than you would expect, because they go, yeah, that shit's urban legend. Like, who gives a shit? Like, yeah, the the creepy gas attendant killed the girl. That's all that was. Who
0: cares about that? And and, and, committed
2: suicide, you know, like there's. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Easier to to believe the, you know.
0: Normal Because they're they're almost
1: in, like, a little bit of a paranoid Mm -hmm. setting, right? Or or, or in, like, a a, a jokester setting. So how the characters actually respond to these things that are cropping up. You know, it does get to the point where the bodies are stacking a lot. (laughs) And it's kind of like, okay, you know, we should... Be paying a little bit more attention, but it like early funny. on, especially it is
0: funny that all the like as the bodies pile on, they just all the kind of like adults with authority just keep making excuse after excuse after <laughs> excuse why there's just a massacre happening. Um, I did get a kick oh. out of that, yeah.
2: Yeah, and I love the Dean. <laughs> He's yeah, yeah, the Dean is funny. Character. Just coming
0: like he he plays him almost like he doesn't believe in any of the murders so much that he'd yeah. have to be the killer, and then he gets yes. killed, and you're like, this guy was just a Terrible deed and totally irresponsible. Yeah, he's just really
2: bad at your job.
0: Yeah. I also, uh, speaking of, funny enough, uh, wild things, you know that scene in uh, the the gymnasium where he puts uh, like sex on the, the blackboard and the editor, everyone's like, ooh, ah, or whatever? <laughs> they kind of have a similar vibe in the England uh, professor scene where. Um, uh, what Joshua Jackson comes up and mm. says like I'll do the pop rocks and everybody actually <laughs> goes like Oh he's gonna do <laughs> the oh, pop shit. rocks <laughs> Oh boy <laughs> it's so funny and then he and then he like fucking fakes his death with with an honestly like Oscar worthy performance if this was a college <laughs> kid in the class and everyone when he fakes it and he's just like ha it's a prank they're all just like Oh you you little scamp like that kind of <laughs> thing it I really do think the tone in these scenes are. Are really funny and and well done.
1: Yeah, my, my my favorite part about that wild things that you mentioned too is he doesn't just write sex and they all go yeah. Mm-hmm. It's he also re- follows it up with crimes oh, and then okay. underlines and like, like oh. crimes and they all go
2: boo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man,
1: just one of my favorite movie moments ever. Me probably so. i yeah. that you brought it up. <laughs> And 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 I will say, like this like that playfulness is a little bit more present to me in in something like this, where mm-hmm. you know, like it, it it does appear to just be having so much fun with the ridiculousness of I, it. I mean they play the Dawson's the
2: Creek mu- music when we <laughs> Yes, that Jesse that made it, me like, lose
1: my mind.
2: Like, because so not
1: only is it the total eclipse of the heart where they're using the turnaround for the backseat of the car, you know, I don't want to wait. <laughs> for by Paula Cole <laughs> plays as Joshua Jackson turns on the radio to take, you know, Natalie out to, to supposedly also he's going to drive her to like lover's lane to uh, talk to her mm-hmm. and comfort. her. I was like, girl, what are you doing? Yeah, I was she, like, let's not, be, yeah you're going to have to punch this dude. You're going to have to reject <laughs> mm-hmm. this dude, which and obviously ends yeah. up ha- happening. And, uh, he ends up leaving the car to go, go for a piss and getting hanged in the tree above the car. But in this ridiculous, like legitimate Rube Goldberg fashion <laughs> yeah. where like she's starting the car and like rolling the windows up as the killer in the parka is coming, uh, up, up, up to her. Um, and she can hear his uh, feet squeaking on the roof, which is what which, we, what we heard about in, in the legend yeah. actually. And I, I know what you did last summer, so there's a little bit of connective tissue there where we she actually does get to live that legend briefly. But when she slams that gas pedal, and I realize that the rope is actually connected, connected. to it like a like a, <laughs> like a like a pulley system, and he just like
0: skyrockets into the tree like, being did they hanged set, to death.
2: How did this killer set this up? Like
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it shows him like tying a rope to a hitch, and that's about it, and then you just have to assume that he understands the pulley system fully from there. <laughs> it's and I like that they also do kind of a a double fake out in a way where it, you know she she starts driving to escape and run over the the killer and then it pulls him up and you think like that's going to be the the end of the death or whatever. And then she reverses to mm. get away once again. And he just comes piling down onto the windshield. Yeah. And, and what's funny too is the moment, the scene after this, they once again, they're having these characters with authority try to come up with like an excuse. And they say something like y- you saw a mannequin or something like it wasn't <laughs> a real person. You're like, it seemed pretty visceral and real at the time, I have to say. But yeah.
2: Yeah, but they're like, no, no. He loves pranks. He has a mannequin. He's <laughs> right, used it yeah. Before. <laughs> yeah, he's
0: snowboarding. Yeah. It's <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, that's the
1: that's great. And also all the little cutting of like just how it like builds because like this is what I thought was a lot stronger than I know what you did last summer, was mm-hmm. how it actually like builds the minute details of what's happening in scenes like this and how it goes. Yeah, she's scared. She's trying to drive away and she gets stuck because the body is hanging off the tree and she just lifted it up into the tree and she can't get any further. So then she has to reverse. But the shots of there for you to connect the pieces before you actually see it are great. Like having her hit reverse and you're like, oh, wait a second. And then you see a close up shot of like the rope falling and you're like, oh God. And then you get, you know, joshua jackson slamming through the windshield you have like 10 seconds before where you're putting the pieces together on how this is actually all gonna act and react before it ends up actually happening and, and and him actually coming through the windshield so there's just there's again there's just so much good kind of like setup and payoff and one of my favorite examples of that is the uh, roommate death, yes. um, oh, the which, I, which I think is one of the really cleverest freaky. and most like visually witty things that they they do. Where uh, played by I want to mention uh, Danielle Harris. Um, hmm. from Halloween 4 and 5. She's yeah. the little girl. She's fucking Jamie. Yeah.
0: And um, she, she was in the uh, the remakes as well, right? With uh, Yeah, with she was in zombie. the Rob Zombie remakes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Very awesome.
1: Which, which, which is also awesome because she's blasting Rob Zombie during her sex scene. Um, <laughs> yes. Which... But but, but it was one of those things where they set it up so early I didn't expect it to pay off in the way that it did because it's just Mm -hmm. – at first you think it's just like a casual college, you know, oh, those teens kind of like gag where Natalie walks into her her dorm room and her goth roommate is just getting – hounded and and she's like turn the fucking lights off off yeah and and spook show baby by rob zombie is just blasting and you know she she has to in order to stop hearing her having sex all night she needs to you know put her little you know her cd walkman on in bed and you know and, and and listen listen to her songs and they're all she's also getting into fights uh, with her over phone and internet usage. Remember when you couldn't,
0: oh, like, God. you had to use one or the other? Yeah, the dial-up. Yeah, you even get the scene where she lifts up the phone and you hear the dial-up connection sound yeah. and all of that. It's very nostalgic, yeah. honestly. Yeah, um, <laughs> I gotta say it's very funny too. The way that they like it's kind of cruel the way they treat the goth girl in this. Like she's just oh totally, she, 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 she's person. just
1: online being like, any goth guys want to fuck, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you and know, being we're,
0: we, incredibly we're on similar short.
1: dark paths on like the instant messaging like forums yeah. or whatever the fuck that she's on. Yeah, yeah,
0: and she plays it like like or they write her just very um, like short with Natalie. Uh, doesn't seem like she wants. To even try to be cordial whatsoever, and she they they write her to be fairly unlikable, uh, to mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it, you know you, it is kind of um, it might have just been like a thing of the times or whatever. But they even like make fun of her for being on lithium for depression. I know, and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking wild to be honest. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it, I think it's a. Uh, the way they play it is mean spirited but it is also once again kind of like tongue in cheek again mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm.
1: but 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 yeah. i just mean like the actual tracking shot itself and oh, sure. like the craft yeah. of it when 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 she walks in because what happens is she walked in the first time she saw them having sex she goes and she puts her headphones on to not listen to it this you, you can tell that on some level this is a ritual like don't turn the lights on you know, and, and also she's making loud noises over in the corner because she's having sex. That's just how it works. Right. So the second time when she walks in and we've been seeing the killer is the one who's been instant messaging her and wanting to hook up with her and coming over. <laughs> and it's so clever when the killer starts strangling her in her bed and she's walking back. And I was like, well, how's the killer going to get out of this? He's he's clearly not finished strangling her. She's opening the door. And what he does is he. Uh, pulls out all of the like 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 light so that she can't actually turn them on and so when she hears a scuffle happening in the corner of her dorm room she goes oh you know she's just that's my roommate having sex again having rough sex again you know whatever i guess i'm gonna go and put my headphones on and the fact that i thought it was gonna end there i thought it was gonna be like oh like that's you know kind of a a mean joke but like but they actually commit to the set piece of it of her actually being followed into the room in a tracking shot and actually Mm -hmm. like getting comfortable and getting into bed and putting her headphones on while we can see the killer strangling (laughs) her in the background of the tracking shot like it's
0: so good yeah i also like there's even um, the part
2: where she like almost turns on the light and she's like oh sorry Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She wanted it. Yeah, she wanted to be a respectful roommate <laughs> in this time. Uh, I, I do, which obviously leads into the.
1: Aren't you glad you didn't turn the light on uh, in blood, like urban urban legend? Yeah, right? yeah,
0: mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. like really effective. I, that that was one that always creeped me out. There's always this, um, and a lot of the urban legends, I guess, have this where it's that you didn't know what situation you were in until later there's something about mm-hmm. like yes. rediscovering that horror that's even scarier um and they do a lot of that with with these urban legends um so I, I did enjoy that and i i do like the setup too where she's talking to the guy and you know she's saying like you know what room are you in or whatever and then she leaves to kind of get ready get herself ready and she comes back and it just says yours <laughs> and then like, you know she's tackled or strangled and, and whatever but it it's, it's got a good setup and,
1: and again, they kind of that. The dangers of, mix that. of teen girls and the internet, uh, the movie was, I think, uh, su- <laughs> yes. su- su- suggesting, but, but then also they're so mean to her even after she's dead where they're like, you know, better check her pulse. She's looked like that for years. Okay. Yeah. Just cause
0: she's pale. Yeah. Cause she's goth. Do you get it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They even yeah. say like, something well, she- about like, she was depressed. So like, it makes sense. You saw all those crazy pills she was taking, like stuff like that. You know, it's, it's pretty wild.
2: Very nineties.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
1: That's it too. This is the, I, this was a blast from the past, honestly, going back to, uh, um, both of these, Mm -hmm. uh, just in that, that specific context. Um, but yeah, so like Natalie at this point, there's three bodies and Mm -hmm. Natalie feels like she's like literally going saying three bodies in three days. There's Michelle, there's the Joshua Jackson character who everyone just thinks has went away for the weekend as a prank. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's great prank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and then obviously, you know, no one, everyone thinks that, you know, the, the goth girl committed suicide and that, you know, aren't you glad you didn't turn the lights on was, was her, her suicide. Yeah, her no. So no one is believing nope. right. Yeah, no one is believing her um, serial killer uh, theory. Not even Paul. Again, the, the, well, I mean, I I guess you can say that, you know, Paul was the one who was like uh, suspicious of the urban legend stuff in, in the first place. But you would think, hey, it's a great story. There's a serial killer on campus. And he was like, stoked when there was a murder on campus and he could like write the headline for it and like get the quote from the dean and from the, you know, the, 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 the campus cop played by uh, Loretta Devine from the <laughs> Broadway show Dream Girls oh, for some I reason. Love- I, this cast is ridiculous. I love
0: <laughs> one of her introductions where she's watching a exploitation a film and she knows all the words and she's like shooting the gun out and oh, yeah, all that. Did, yes. I don't know if she was watching. Yeah, she, was she, it Pam Greer? Is that like... Yeah, she, yeah what, she's literally it, watching she's Pam Greer. Yeah. Is it
1: J- yeah. Jackie
2: Brown that she's watching or...
1: Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was Foxy Brown or it was Coffee, Yeah, but it was definitely one of those two films. And she's so stoked about being like, man, I can't wait to wait till I have my Pam Greer moment, which obviously (laughs) the movie is setting up because she's going to have it later. where She's going to get to shoot the killer. But this movie was so defined by me uh, for me by the uh, that moment where she's doing that and she's she's watching the movie and she's so stoked imagining herself like reenacting it. And then you get the line right after that of Natalie being like, you know, the urban legend killer, that's what he's doing. You know, mm-hmm. someone that is out there taking all these stories and he's making it reality and everyone's going, well, what's he going to do next? <laughs> you know, put spider eggs in the bubblicious, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I also like when it starts to get into the um, the whole, like, we got to find out the mystery journalism aspect and, you know, they, they do the classic, they go to the library to try to find out You know what (laughs) year the the Stanley massacre. Massacre. Urban (laughs) Legends? Yeah, oh yeah, they do that, and then they also go to find the year of like when that Stanley Hall massacre supposedly happened to find out if it's an urban legend or not. And of course, the year seventy three book is missing. Dun dun dun. Mm -hmm. Oh my god! We know that. Yeah, yeah, they were like, wait,
1: could this have anything to do with the twenty fifth anniversary of the Stanley Hall massacre, (laughs) of which Robert England's professor is the sole living survivor of, and. You know, who teaches these stories for a living and has the parka and the axe hidden behind a secret door in his office? Could it be this guy? Should we investigate um, (laughs) him or not? Which, by the way, did you guys read about why the killer has a parka in this? I thought it was so funny.
0: No, no I, I, I I was just I thought it was like a big coat hides the face it gets the job done, you know. But no, I wasn't That's kind sure. of what
1: I thought what I thought too and it reminded me of like the poster from like The Thing or something oh, like that, yeah, so I thought totally. maybe I thought maybe like that's what they were doing. It turns out that this was written as a winter movie and they planned on shooting it <laughs> in Toronto thinking it was going to be winter even just all the time, I guess. Oh, man. So they, 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 they went to Toronto and the weather was just, they, I don't know if they went in like the spring or the summer, but it was just like, an, it was like, it was like going to New York. Like it was just a normal day. Like it's not, you weren't going to the Arctic or something. And so they had to drop the winter aspect from the whole movie because they were like, but at one point they considered like fake snow and like dressing up all of the extras and all of these like winter gear but they were like we 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 can't do it so but they were too far along the killer had already been modeled all the storyboarding had been modeled with him to look like this so they were like yeah. all right so yeah I mean, we, we, it, we
0: have the
1: we have the winter it, arctic killer in just like <laughs> summer toronto
0: <laughs> which which leads I mean, it, to honestly one of the funniest things uh like this is this had to be a gag cuz i just lost my mind um when it's i think it's brenda and she's swimming And Natalie is looking over the pool in this, like, glass (laughs) container room or whatever. So good. And (laughs) and she's swimming. And then all of a sudden you see... Uh the, the, the killer supposedly. He's got the, the big coat on, the hood is on for whatever reason, you can't see the face or anything like that, and she's like, Oh, she's gonna get axed or killed in the pool or whatever it is. So she starts to smash the the glass with a, a chair and scream Brenda's name, and then it's revealed at the end that it's <laughs> just another swimmer wearing the biggest fucking winter coat of all time <laughs> yeah. for some yeah. reason. <laughs> and it's it's just another like fake. So funny. And I just I lost my mind because it's like the if you really just start thinking about the context, it makes no sense whatsoever,
2: and it's it's I a love, blast. They find like four different coats. Like everybody has this same coat, <laughs> and they like, keep finding yeah. it in the office, or they'll find it in like <laughs> which I was like is probably actually
1: true. If you came here, everyone has like a Canada goose uh, <laughs> uh, coat. So they were just like, yeah, whatever. Everyone, you know, yeah, that'll uh, work. Yeah. even <laughs> though it's like the janitor has it in his car, <laughs> right? Or, you know,
0: that <laughs> might be eighty degrees outside, but that's fine. <laughs>
1: Oh well, and 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 also like you know obviously at, at this point too like the you know Natalie is the only one trying to raise the alarms on on this killer and yeah. you know everyone's going you're just crazy that's just a swimmer <laughs> with a coat on like stop like stop <laughs> freaking out and and Paul is like the only one who's kind of helping her out because uh he, he, he lives by the motto, reality is lurid and I'm the messenger, I think it is is what he says at, at, at one point. And so he is, you know, he is getting excited about this kind of like trail of blood that they're following. He gets like suspended off of the, from, from the student paper. He wants to get the student Pulitzer, I think he says at yes. too, which I, I was like, go, Jared Leto, very, very funny character in this. Um, <laughs> and I, who's, who's who dies next? Is it the Dean? It's the, is it the parking garage
0: kill? Yeah. Yeah, I think so because this is when they they have the yeah. meeting with the with the dean, and you know because they found some stuff at Wexler's office, and then I think Jared gets fired from being a, a writer, um, and then yeah, they reveal from the student newspaper, yeah, yeah and, and then, then they reveal this uh, the backstory of Natalie where she was also playing that headlight headlight game, and she was a part of this accidental killing. Um,
1: right, so like everyone is dying and. Natalie is the only person who like knows them all she's technically the connective tissue between you know because no one else knew Michelle uh, right. it, it, except for her. Uh, th- and then the Dean is killed in one of the things that I just, I hate the most. Uh, I hate ankle mm. uh, stuff. Oh, the idea no. of someone just slicing yes. my ankles mm. kind of freaks me out a little bit. And, and it, and maybe that goes back to the urban legend. Cause that actually is one where like someone's underneath the car and they're going to, you know, get at your feet or whatever. But man, it, it, it's up there with like teeth mutilation yeah. for oh, me, which is so like my, my next just, worst one. Yes.
2: Oh, uh, the, the ankle tendon yeah it's you ugh, just feel F- the it. and sharpness they keep using it. it in movies and it gets me every time
0: yeah <laughs> and they and they drag this along too like he's you know cuz he can't use his feet anymore so he's just kind of dragging along the uh, uh the parking garage as the the killer gets closer and closer with the car um and i'm surprised that i thought it was just going to turn into like you know a kind of gory you know, run him over kind of gag. And using the actual tire spikes was a a pretty added effect, I gotta say. That's pretty gruesome.
2: Oh, what is it? the shot goes to the sign that says like will cause tire damage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so great. Yeah.
1: Like, like so many great little gags like that. And also like in comparing the two films, like going in from that one into this one, I was like, man, these death scenes are just so much more visually imaginative mm-hmm. and, um, like more viscerally Im- Im- impactful for me. The, the one that got me the most and actually like made my jaw drop was the, uh, the, the frat party one oh, yeah. that which opens right next. on yeah. this amazing setup image of um, Rosenbaum uh, making his dog do a beer chug <laughs> um, and, 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 and also having the dog with like a nose ring on I was like this is like yeah. the coolest which, fucking dog which by the way it's, it's,
2: it's like it's like a little white Terrier. (laughs) Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's
0: it's hilarious what dog they actually choose for this frat boy party. (laughs) Yeah, like like yeah, it's it's such a ridiculous image to
1: start it off. It's like such a like a cartoonish college frat party kind of thing, and also the kids are like blasting like zoot suit riot i was like (laughs) what the fuck is this party like this is there's so many little tiny gags when you when you kind of like actually um in 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 investigate this through Mm -hmm. and rosenbaum's eventual death in this scene which comes after a little bit of like the obligatory teen drama where it's like you know like natalie and paul are getting closer together due to the investigation that they're doing into this urban legend serial killer yeah and brenda's jealous about it and upset with natalie because she told him that you know she was obviously attracted to to the uh the the handsome student journalist who you know cares about the world and wants to report on it and you know and um Parker uh, essentially accuses Jared Leto of like making up this urban legend killer for like attentions and for the headlines for his CV which obviously kind of pisses him off so they all like leave the house and leave him alone and Rosenbaum gets a phone call uh, where he's like saying like you're about to die he's like ooh is the call coming from inside the house it's, it's actually like the, the most scream-esque yeah. uh, death in the whole movie because like the guy's not taking it seriously he's like yeah well, whatever using the Mr. Ghostface thing. Killer <laughs> Or, or yeah what's can is it I, Rose McGowan who gets that yeah, moment like is this the part where I die yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like are 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 you gonna kill me? And he's like, Yeah <laughs> 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 do a little head nod. <laughs> yes.
0: That is one of the best moments ever. Uh, yeah, okay. like
1: that's that that that's so good. And in this that shock moment that hits is so clever when he's like, wrong legend. Yeah. This isn't about the kill, the call coming from inside the house. This is the one about the old lady who tries to dry her wet dog in the microwave, which that can't be a real urban legend. I have never it, heard it, of that, um, that before, but I, I was actually, like no 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 no.
0: <laughs> I actually have heard of I, I see I, it's, it's oh, wow. different versions I think though because I can't remember why the old lady ends up putting the dog in the microwave or I think the version I heard was that she finds her dog in the microwave it's another one of those like you know some mysterious okay. stranger okay. comes in and, and kills the dog or whatever but uh, um, but yeah so I, I actually did hear about that one I think growing up.
1: Oh, okay, I well, was, I, I did not expect it. It felt like yeah, it kind of totally. came out of nowhere because if he it he put the pieces movie, together, sure. I was like, oh, dude, my beer-chugging dog, where is it? He goes over <laughs> to the microwave. There's a POV shot from inside the microwave that dollies through yeah. the gore of the exploded dog <laughs> no. meat all over the The fucking microwave, which then goes into these series of shots where he's screaming and freaking out and going to a POV tracking shot of him running into the bathroom so he can vomit in the toilet. And it's a full shot of his head in the fucking toilet and then his head being used with a beer funnel to shove pop rocks and like Drano down his throat (laughs) so that he's like choking on his vomit and foam and just the spinning overhead shot of his corpse and the use of fades and everything. I was like, I was actually kind of blown away by this death. (laughs)
0: Oh yeah.
2: yeah, it's pretty extreme
0: <laughs> and especially to have it's kind of like a it's a double whammy, right? Because they do the dog and then instantly do that death as mm-hmm. well. So y- you do get a, quite yeah. a bit from the frat party thing. And and speaking... yeah, and and,
1: and, I've, and I've had the microwave on the mind ever since that clip has been going around of Ezra Miller putting a baby in a microwave from The Flash. Have you guys seen this? No.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw the clip, right? I saw it on Twitter. I have no idea what's happening, but I don't I, I, don't don't I, I will find out
1: <laughs> months and months from now, but yeah, when it drops completely out of context. Context: an image of Ezra Miller putting a baby in a microwave in the Flash that is apparently real, and apparently the footage might have been reversed, uh, and he might have been taking it out of the microwave. But I was also <laughs> like, "Why is there a baby in a microwave?" That's um, okay. you can do that. That's wild. That movie. Okay. So either way, that was where my my brain instantly went when this dog exploded <laughs> in this microwave as well. So I was yeah. like, "God damn, what a this is dark." I
0: also like that the two. Um uh, more dialogue moments in this br- party. Where they, the first one is just kind of a, a gag, where it's feeding into the urban legend thing again. Where this like nerdy guy comes up to Natalie or Brenda, and it's just like, you know, they <laughs> used oh, yes. a real girl that was dying on a nine one one call uh, for this part, <laughs> and that's why it sounds so real. Uh, and then he says he says a couple other things. So he's kind of this like urban legend nerd or like this trivia nerd a little bit, which I, I just like the gag. And then the other one is cool because they. Um, set up a little bit of a like that red herring with with paul and uh... parker which is rosenbaum and leto where where Parker is accusing Paul of being the killer, because he's like, you know, you could use it for your stories. And he's saying this in front of, like, yeah, exactly. all, of the, mm-hmm. all of the party so that they start to suspect him and all of that. And they even eventually, like, probably 10, 15 minutes from now, lean into that a little bit, too. They, they, it's kind of like they're trying to plant the seed in your brain so that when they do it actually in the film that you might believe it for a second. Um, I kind of did because I I
2: could not remember who the killer was in this and Mm -hmm. as you get towards the end I was like okay well the only options left really are like like (laughs) oh maybe it is Paul Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because the way that yeah because well we'll we'll get to it yeah yeah
1: (laughs) well because I was going to say like at at this point in the movie because like Tara Reid also dies around this Mm -hmm. point in the movie too similar to a Scream
0: 2 uh, I think it's Scream 2 where they have that like the background because she's in a sound booth and mm-hmm. they have yeah, the she's killer. like the local sex yeah. DJ
1: talk show radio host yeah, who, who, who takes your mode. takes your personal
0: advice calls. Yeah, and she's <laughs> on kind of mean spirited about it a little bit, kind of like the talk radio host that that movie that we covered a, a little <laughs> oh, yeah. while ago. Yeah. It's never you know it's not quite the same, of course, but she's trying to channel that spirit a little bit. Um, but they do that. Oh yeah, what was what what was that thing
1: about the the frat boy like milkshake or something like or protein shake? because mm-hmm. oh. the the girls asking her about what she. did. What what she does because she like it's swallowed,
0: swallowed yeah. cum or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god very yeah, vulgar it is, it is cool to see it's not quite you know as well done as what, what Craven would do of course but it no was, neither
1: of these guys are Craven y- unfortunately yeah, yeah. but, but
0: it's It's always a cool idea to kind of have that like sound barrier where you can see the killer actively struggling and killing somebody but because of you know like soundproof glass or whatever it is they, the other person doesn't notice I guess they had a kind of yeah, similar she, she one she sees her like
1: assistant or producer mm-hmm. like being killed in the, in the, the mixing room behind her mm-hmm. while she's actually in the studio right yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this uh, her... which leads into a huge like staircase chase yeah, with it's a, like crane it's a good, maneuvers.
2: It's a good chase scene. Like it's very elaborate. There's like a level, a lot of levels in it that I liked a lot. Yeah,
1: yeah. She actually has to like fall completely down uh, one of them at one point. It's actually one of the sets that they used because it's it, it shot at University of Toronto, uh, which is hmm. where they also shot uh, a lot of um, the TV show Hannibal. Uh, oh, they actually yeah. used one of the Ooh. same sets that Hannibal eventually used. Okay, um, I thought oh, it looked awesome. so the, familiar hmm. Well, because University of Toronto has like that, like old school architecture to it. So you can tell that mm-hmm. like that's what they kind of wanted. They wanted this um, something that feels like the students are in like a more classical kind of setting. Like, and, and then they're doing history. all of these like, yeah, doing the like sort of like vulgar cartoon slasher thing that they're doing inside of it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I was a little uh, just I, I was it was surprising to me that they didn't really show the Tara Reed Killing they they do kind of no, like they just scene. do the little way and, and right? at first yeah. when I watched that the first time I was kind of like well it, Usually in these movies if they don't show like the body actually dead or whatever That's kind of a setup for a possible twist or something like that um, And they just never end up showing Tara Reed <laughs> for some reason, but no it that yeah. one I found a little strange But it's uh, it's we still a good sequence
2: don't see Wexler killed right we just see his body
0: Yes. Oh, yeah, I guess Yeah, that's which true, I was too. like, I, I, I did not figure guess out if that,
2: They didn't, seemed kind of, I was hoping to, like, see him get killed, cause I, or I don't know if it was, like, something that was cut, or we just never
0: yeah, thought that. Yeah, they end up using it, I guess, as, like, um because that's, when, when his body is revealed in the trunk, that's when they think that it could have been Paul, because I think mm-hmm. they're on the run with, it's, like, Brenda, Natalie, yeah. and Paul, and you know, it
1: well, yeah, cause They all decide to leave campus, which is like, yeah. Um, <laughs> like that's the, that, that's the move. And, and they do that brief, they flirt with like that one urban legend where it's like the characters think that they're like smelling gas, but they're, they're smelling something that's stinking and mm-hmm. they pull over and there's like something in the trunk. Yeah. Um, And yeah, they find Professor Wexler in in, in the trunk, in the trunk. And I I do like the gag of the two girls like reuniting their like silly little melodrama they were having over the boy where, you know, uh, Brenda's like, you know, you and Paul are so cute together. Like you guys belong with one another. She's like, oh, that's so nice. You know, so nice. Like, thank you. And then uh, when they find the body in the trunk, she's like, like I said, he's all yours.
0: (laughs) You know, he's.
1: He's clearly the killer. He's got trunks in his car. And yeah, it turns into like a whole like fleeing and, you know, on foot in, in the forest chase where they're getting separated. I think uh, Natalie gets that's where Natalie gets picked up by a janitor. Uh,
2: janitor. Yeah, this the Canadian janitor.
1: actor Julian Richings from Cube, <laughs> who I wanted to point out, um, you know, obviously he's in a lot of Canadian stuff that that shoots here, but credited as just weird janitor, janitor which is awesome.
0: And that's exactly how they write him and play him every single time he's. Any in any scene, he's just like kind of creeping in the corner looking at him with this kind of like weird look that he's got.
1: Yeah, uh, he's literally the most hilarious like, red herring yes, because yes. it's literally just because he looks funny. There's no
2: yeah, he's, other he's thing looking. that's suspicious about he's him. Yeah. Just kind of, well, he is always kind of cleaning in the dark, so I don't know. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> it is funny, even the like when she picks him up, it's it's kind of just more like his. Creep factor again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah, the way that they they use uh, Julian Richlings in this is pretty funny.
2: But it's great cause it's, it's it's He's basically saying that it, it, it's a good bookend to the to the Brad Dorif character, where it's like this is just someone who's kind of weird and yeah, not harmful though.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, totally. and 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 your sort of paranoia and mm-hmm. fears generated from these stories that have been passed down to you mm-hmm. is what's, you know, making you act the way that you are in front of them. That if you didn't have that that mood uh, that, you know, you're bringing to it, then, yeah, like I I think the movie actually uses that aspect of the urban legend thing like well, that it is like a lot of characters just, you know, being kind of like we have this creepy story. It's creating this atmosphere where I'm creeped out. And now all of a sudden everything is a fucking urban legend, no matter what, you know, yeah, everything yeah. is, everyone's a killer. Everyone's the fucking, everyone has a parka jacket. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. um, and, and, and I'm, it is surprising how many they managed to fit in. Cause they go straight from that one in the car to the one with the, the high beams and, and the headlights where, yeah. you know, the, uh, the, the, Janitor is getting into the uh, car crash with um with with the guy, and then they I think they end up the big final one is the you know they go back to the Stanley Hall one yeah where she's making her way back to I'll campus and up. she can hear she can hear Brenda's screams coming from inside Stanley Hall um which is uh the one sequence that is um like really really like over-directed or like art like yeah. it, it's almost artificial where they yes. go inside of it and it's like this huge like dilapidated like run-down structure covered in like neon Neons lighting and, and like yeah. lightning storm lights and all the bodies you know, from it's, the film <laughs> Yeah, the the gothic candlelit room mm-hmm. where the corpses start like popping out at her like she's in like a funhouse or something <laughs> like that. That that to me really clarified like what this movie has been going for the whole time. Like this dude is just creating like a like a slasher funhouse yes. that he want that he's having a blast in. And now
0: it's the ultimate urban legend. They've all come together and they've uh destroyed an entire oh yeah I, I
1: love brenda's line when she reveals that she's the killer because it turns out that it's 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 her friend and that yeah. she is the uh she was the uh ex-fiancé mm-hmm. of the guy that her and michelle killed when they were high schoolers getting revenge and her line about like don't you want to be an urban legend nat all your friends are now <laughs> yeah. you know yeah
0: another i love how because she she's kind of pulling that like you know, crazy person Lillard performance from the end of Scream. Like she's oh, starting she to go hams over. Oh, it, it up. Yeah, it's they, great. Were, they got and so lucky that of all the kid casts, so that they picked much the right one.
2: Bigger. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, The volume just, of her hair yes, really works it's for this moment. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's I love her line where she's just like, "I tried therapy, it didn't work." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> so so funny and I also like all the setups like when she's talking about um, like how she's going to frame Wexler and all that but previously like 10 minutes ago you see the body and the guy was stabbed like 50 <laughs> times and I just think it's very funny that that would be her, her plan if she were to try to get away with it a little bit but I do like the recontextualization of that scene because you know you thought it was Paul putting it in the trunk and you realize when mm-hmm. Brenda showed up she's the one that did it and all of that so it works in a slightly clever way and I, I had fun with that
2: and yeah. we, we don't quite get my favorite legend which is the the kidney in the bathtub but like there's an attempt mm-hmm. to do it
0: yeah I, I, and I do like when she starts to just like things are happening to her so much like you have the security guard you have Natalie, Paul starts to come up uh, and she's getting overwhelmed so she just starts shooting and she's just like <laughs> I don't need an urban legend anymore, fuck it I've done enough of them <laughs> So there, there's a lot of really great tongue-in-cheek moments in this, in this ending that I had fun with.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where, like, at, you know, like, the, the the twist is, you know, the, the movie's been trying to do one of those things where it's written all of these characters to be kind of hilariously suspicious yeah. in, in order to throw you off so that it can get you with the biggest twist possible. Um, and a lot of the time... Stuff like this doesn't work because you go back to the movie and you're kind of like, well, why would she have behaved that way in an earlier scene if this is what she was doing or, you know, like that kind of deal? So what a twist like this really needs is for the actor to just fucking go hog wild on it and to just like make it like. She's not doing anything that makes sense. She's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And and Rebecca Gayhart totally just nails this oh, when, she when she's like, yeah. she's like, I prefer terms like eccentric. <laughs> you know, maybe I'm a little nutty, you know, and her hair is freaking out and her <laughs> eyes are going crazy. Like, she is doing, like, she she reminded me of um, Michelle Pfeiffer in the back half of uh, Batman Returns. Yes. Sure, sure, um, yeah. She just goes, like, unhinged. She's like, pay back some bitch you know she's (laughs) pulling the guns out she's going she's like she is you know like she really like nails the transition to this and because the movie does run out of things at a certain point to do they're like we can't get much more ridiculous than this we're gonna have what we're gonna have you know the cop run in and get her sort of pam Greer moment where she's gonna get switchbladed but then she's gonna you know be able to take take the shot at her Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and 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 yeah she tries to recreate the black market kidney heist uh, <laughs> like legend legend um thing on on her but
0: obviously it doesn't it doesn't work um <laughs> and then they do so because, I, I like when uh when paul comes and tries to i be, was gonna just say jared yes. leto's fucking slow clap oh God, dude he's what like, is hey. that he's so <laughs> funny, <laughs> it's so funny. And he's and he tries to like convince her that he's also kind of intrigued by her urban legend killings or whatever. Yeah, and I, and her line yeah, she's like, I'll write the story how you want it, you know? Yeah, and her line back is great where she's like, you're cute, Paul, but you're not that fucking cute and just <laughs> yeah. puts the gun yeah. up again and and then she does eeny meeny miny mo to shoot somebody but <laughs> luckily because it's just so much fun this movie uh it, it, i think it's the uh, security guard's moment where she ends it and she's like mo and then shoots her <laughs> it's just there's just a it's a pile on of like hilarious horror finales um it's pretty good uh,
2: i'm trying to remember if it's this scene but i know they do make a Noxema joke at some point <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, and oh yeah that's true yes, too yes <laughs> she w- cuz rebecca Gayhart was the Noxema Girl. That was like That's right. Her thing. I can't remember if it's <laughs> this scene or, or earlier, but it's just like, oh my god. They're just having yeah. fun. Uh
1: and then no they, they are well well, and, and because they also shoot her out the window and you're yeah. like well that would be you know like that makes sense like that's like a like a, a slasher movie ending or like an action movie ending I guess you could say yeah. they get shot she's done Um, but of course they also need to have her fly through the windshield <laughs> of the car as well because she needs to go through two windows is is yes. you know that's not enough like this movie really wants to hit to hit you with that where she tries to repeat the backseat of the car when when they're driving away and they were like no nope. This is going to become a legend too, you know, and it'll change person to person. And Jared Leto's like, if this is an urban legend, when do we get to the twist? And then and the axe just comes flying <laughs> out of the backseat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what's great too is that they like not once but twice they do that thing that I was talking about earlier, where they never show like the dead body. With with Tara Reid, it's mm-hmm. more just like I guess a, an afterthought kind of thing. But with 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 Brenda's character, it's like you need to see the killer completely die, or we know that that's not entirely gonna happen, and sending her through the windshield twice into the river uh, of course, ends up with another kind of um, yeah. She's still setup. not dead, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah. There's
2: like three endings to this movie.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's so funny, and of course it's it's like reflecting the the movie itself. It's kind of the movie's gonna repeat basically over and, mm-hmm. over, and over and over again because you yeah, have yeah, a yeah. Because the college kids are friends. now telling
1: the story of of the movie, and yeah. everyone's like, "Oh, that's bullshit. That's an urban legend." Blah blah blah. And there's one girl who's like, "I actually, uh, you know, I believe you, but I heard it like a little bit of a different." way and the camera like you know pans around (laughs) to reveal that it's that it's brenda who's about to start telling the story again yeah yeah. I I will say I think that that ending is better suited to the movie and a bit str- like it's still oh, yeah. ridiculous that yeah. she survives that whole of thing. Course. But that that to me was a stronger ending than the uh I still know followed by just like the guy popping into the screen. Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: Cuz it's more like <laughs> it's it's just more nonsensical in the context of the film with I know what you did last summer. Whereas this mm-hmm. is like yeah. done this craziness the entire time. They so set, set this up. Yeah. They set this ending up. ending. It it has to end up like a Kind of like what an urban legend would—this kind of cliffhanger ending, you know. So, Absolutely.
2: yeah, oh, yeah, it's just such a fun film. It just it, it this is. this actually in the way that like I know what you did last summer always kind of pulled its punches and wasn't sure what it wanted to be. Like this commits one hundred percent to what it wants to be.
1: It, yeah. I, Exactly. And, and, and I think that there is an argument to be made, like if we're pivoting towards reductive rain around, this is still going to be in the three territory for me, but mm-hmm. it is a, it is a high three. Yeah. I will say like mm-hmm. I was for a first time watch, I was surprised at how much I liked this. Um, and, um, it is like in terms of concept and in terms of characterization, it, I don't think I could argue with someone who's like, yeah, this is pretty dumb and pretty <laughs> tonally inconsistent and pretty silly, uh, ultimately. But The fact that it's doing that with just, like, the pure glee of someone who, like, clearly loves these kinds of genre movies and Mm -hmm. wants to turn it into, like, just this well-oiled cartoon slasher machine and all of these actors are so such a strange pairing of people who are also pretty committed to it. Like just seeing like, you know, my, you know, Smallville guy hanging out with like Robert England or, you know, having Danielle Harris, you know, having such a, like a cruel, brutal, cartoonishly ridiculous death. And, you know, having people deliver, you know, serious lines about urban legends and paranoia. And like the movie just, yeah, like 100%, this is the one that knows exactly what it's doing. And, you know, maybe if tongue in cheek or, you know, someone being this kind of ironic or playful isn't for you, maybe it doesn't work. But Mm. as far as this kind of movie goes, this this guy, I'm going to have to watch more of his stuff, Jamie Blanks. I thought this was just like incredibly you know, uh, well directed for what it was and kind of I could see a, a more annoying version of this movie being made that didn't have, you know, set pieces as strong as um, this one does, because yeah. there's a lot of memorable deaths uh, in this and they aren't even the most graphic. Like, I'll say that, like they mm-hmm. aren't like, you know, they're not Tom Savini, just you creative. know, Texas Chainsaw 2 or Friday the 13th Part 4 yeah, or something like that. It's not overly
2: brutal or bloody. It's it's just kind of it's just more fun.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's, it's kind of colorful and animated and, you know, while still having a bit of that nasty attitude about it and it's and it's visually clever. Every single major visceral moment in this has some sort of like payoff that they are, you know, doing, like whether it is like the security guard who wants to have her. Pam Greer moment and gets to have it or whether it's, you know, a dog exploding in a microwave <laughs> previously being set up as the the the, the beer chugging dog so that you can get that moment on the phone call when he's like, this is the urban legend about the dog in the microwave, you know, like that kind of shit. Like it's just, you know, or, or even having her walking in on the roommate having sex and then later coming in and ignoring the roommate being murdered because she thinks she's having sex. Like that's all stuff that you really need to think about and you really need to bake into the visuals of your film in order to pull it off. So there's, there's, there's thought put into this and I, I yeah. appreciate that. And yeah, this was, this was a blast, honestly.
0: Yeah. I'm i uh, I'm also going to give it a three, which is awesome. And I'm, I'm glad uh, that you, that you brought it on Emma. Cause um, I, I, the last, I think it was a couple of years ago that I watched it, and I don't know if I was in a mood or I just was not <laughs> reading the the film correctly, but I, I it just didn't take to it. And this time I had a, a lot of fun. So yeah, I think the set I'm pieces so are yeah, I think the set pieces are great. Um, I, I do like all of the tongue and cheek meta qualities of it. Um, this there is mo- like this almost feels like it could have been uh, written by like uh, Kevin Williams uh, because it's just. Uh, it, it, it just has it's those more qualities satirical, it's satirical than
1: yeah. even I know what you did last summer is, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, absolutely. So.
2: Yeah. And I think what also helps is that Jared Leto and Alicia Witt are both playing this very seriously.
0: Mm-hmm. But yes. everyone
2: around them is very campy. And I think that that seriousness helps sort of off play the campiness. And so you get that good mix.
0: Yeah, that's true. There is like a, there's like a balance there. You're kind of grounded with those characters and then get to have fun with all the other ones. Whereas with right. I Know What You Did Last Summer, everyone is taking it equally as mm-hmm. seriously, even though it's kind of ridiculous. So, yes. um, yeah, I do think that this has a more self-awareness, which helps the film. Um, and, yeah, I agree with you, Josh. I think I'm going to check out some of this guy's stuff just to see what else he what else he has. Um, silent Number sounds really interesting. I'm, I'm going to check that out maybe right after. Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend here. it.
1: It's on, it's on YouTube. It's like 14 minutes long. It's basically like clearly an audition just for the opening set piece of this um, movie because it oh, is nice. just like imagine... You know, imagine a, a stormy rain night where there's a girl and she's scared and paranoid and, you know, and yeah, it's just it's how can he keep developing that and how can he really loves that? I mean, you could even tell in that short film how much he even loved that idea of, you know, the babysitting urban legend or like the girl who sees one thing, but you're thinking it might be another thing like that moment in his short film when a guy comes banging at her door and she thinks that, you know, he's got blood on him and she doesn't let him in because she's like, what the fuck? This guy is terrifying. He could be a kid Yep. you know he could be the hook man <laughs> and then later on in in the call with the cop when she finds out that it's like yeah that guy actually crashed his car into your telephone pole like that's why he he did that, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's just but but the way that it's the, how atmospherically directed and sort of like dynamically played up to be incredibly scary. It is is something this guy clearly loved.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'd be curious as to see if he does anything more tongue in cheek with the idea of like a Valentine's killer. Um, so I <laughs> yeah, definitely like have to check that out, actually,
2: because I and, know that one has what David Brand is right? I, I, I feel like I remember. Uh, yeah.
0: Denise Richards oh. speaking of wild things as oh, well. Yeah. Uh, and uh, st- this one looks interesting just because of the premise is such a, it's, it's something that you've definitely heard before, but I'd like to see him tackle it, um, and it's like 85 minutes, so I imagine it's right to the point, and it's called Storm Warning that he did in 2007, and it's just about a couple mm-hmm. that gets, uh, uh, there's like a storm, so they seek shelter in a farmhouse, and then there's just killers. So I just, I love the simplicity of that premise, so I, I think I'll check that um, out too. But yeah, uh, three out of five. Um, he, he also, like you said, he's got some really awesome uh, camera moves too, like specifically that microwave pan from like the perspective <laughs> of the microwave into Rosenbaum's <laughs> mouth is, uh, is really cool and effective, oh, and great. has a, a balance again of like kind of this cartoonish quality, but also still kind of horrifying, so... Yeah, uh, this was a, yeah. a much more balanced film. I felt so three out of five.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna give it three too. I just have fun watching it.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Now I'm gonna go uh, drink uh, some Pepsi and Pop Rocks and see if I can <laughs> recreate the bathroom scene. Damn. <laughs> yeah, let's see how let's see how we do. Um, but uh, yeah, that's gonna wrap it up. I think for this week's um episode that was um i know what you did last summer from 1997 as well as urban legend from 1998 thanks so much emma for uh joining us and for bringing these uh films with you i don't know when we would have got around to these they weren't like immediately on my radar of ones (laughs) we had to talk about but i had fun revisiting um if there's uh, anything that you've got that you want to plug while you're here, even if it's just your your Twitter or your books or anything like that, feel this is normally where we have uh, guests do that.
2: Yeah, y'all can follow me on Twitter. It's just you know ee burquist, um, and yeah, my books, Devils Unto Dust and Missing, Presumed Dead.
1: Wait, hell yeah, <laughs> can definitely recommend them. Go 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 check them out. for For our listeners, we are going to be back in one week's time, where we are going to be doing your patron voted episode, kind of a a left turn from. <laughs> from uh, 90s Teen Slashers, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, very, very uh, subjectively... Directed uh, biopics about uh, uh, controversial authors. We're going to be talking about Mishima: A Life in Four Chapters, directed by Paul Schrader, about Yukio Mishima, um, uh, which is a you know wild adaptation about of, of both his you know sort of real life uh, politics as well as you know his eventual suicide and uh, you know depicted through visions of recreations of his life as well as recreations of his actual uh, novels and fiction as well Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously an incredible Philip Glass score we'll get into all that so and, and you might be wondering well what's the other one Naked Lunch, directed by David Cronenberg, <laughs> nice. uh, and a uh, obviously doing uh, William S. Burroughs, which took, so it takes a very similar approach, where the director is both sort of like making doing an adaptation of the artist's work and doing it in the style of their work, but also making it kind of about them and making it autobiographical as well. So this is a very very cool pairing. Um, that you guys voted for, so that's going to be over on the Patreon uh, next week for anyone interested. Uh, and then in two weeks time we're wild and out, uh, we're going nineties mode, uh, again, but we're doing it with a, uh, more sort of like the, the, the action, uh, 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 element we're going to be talking about con air and face off
0: oh my god oh <laughs> yeah i can't wait which is
1: going to be just a ridiculous episode <laughs> i mean anyone who's been long-time listener of the show knows that because it's come up so much uh, jamie and i one of our favorite movies of all time is face off yes. uh and it's definitely my favorite american uh john woo film mm-hmm. and uh might even be just my favorite one we'll find out on this rewatch um <laughs> and uh so it's going to be a monster episode as well. So So look forward to that in uh, two weeks' time with a special guest. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that being said, that wraps it up for everything. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, and keep it sleazy.
0: Keep it sleazy, everybody.